dance instructor and a social media sensation. After training for 10 years, she received her certificate of completion in the Vaganova Ballet. She then began dancing with a renowned dance company for several years before going on to teach dance, ballet, and point to students of all ages. As a hobby, she loves to create content for social media. Right now, she currently has 79,000 followers on TikTok with over 6 million video views. All of this took a backseat in 2022 when she and her husband welcomed their first child. Becoming a mother as well as the queen of social media, she realized that the podcast world lacked any shows of honest discussion of what it's like to be pregnant, have a family, while continuing to work and find a healthy balance of being there for your child while ma maintaining your own identity. This prompted her to start her own podcast, which is entitled Mama and More. Without further ado, please welcome the one simply known as Mama Cat to the Claws Corner. Mama, how the hell are you? Oh, I am just fabulous. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. I'm so happy on the show. And I have to say, right now, I think you have three episodes as we record this. And yes, I have three. Several times. I, I can tell you, because um, you know me off the air, you know I have never, ever had any interest in having a child, never wanting one. And I still enjoy the podcast. I find it entertaining. It's has, I mean, the part with more... That there's definitely something for everybody because you not I've listened to podcasts even if I like the subject and it's so dry so boring you make it fun you make it relatable so tell me first of all I mentioned it a little bit in the intro but why do you want to create this podcast um so I just felt like there weren't that many mom podcasts and if there were they were kind of more like information based and I didn't want to necessarily give advice I just want to give my personal experience and then also share like the moms that I know and their experience and just also show like the real side of motherhood because I feel like social media can be a highlight reel and while being a parent is amazing like we have to get a little bit more honest with it because there's also some really crappy parts to it <laughs> oh yes and I've listened to literally so far. yes <laughs> yeah well, we're, gonna, we're gonna get into that what you uh the analogy you had for um having a baby <laughs> <laughs> it does have something to do with crap <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man no, no but i think what, what i like most about your podcast is like what you just said it's like you're you're very relatable you said well this happened to me i don't know if it happened to you and then it, when you have something at the end called mama moments where people will ask questions or tell you what to, so i love the fact that like you said you're just having fun with it and you you talk about everything there's nothing that you hold back which i also love about your podcast what i want to get into some of the stories because i did find them quite humorous <laughs> so for you though what's the toughest part of putting together a podcast because i want your opinion because i could tell you exactly what it's like on this side too because i know i know the highs and the lows of that yeah um i'd say the toughest part was finding enough material to fill the time that I wanted it to be. Um, honestly, at the beginning, I was like, oh, I could fill an hour easily. And then I realized I was struggling to make 20 minutes. And then I was struggling to make 30 minutes. And I don't know, in my in my mind, I'm like, I talk to myself all day long. If I just put a microphone there, it'll be easy. But it was a lot harder to actually fill that amount of time, which is, I feel like you probably can understand, but also you get to interview people. So. Yes. There, yeah. For me, with this show, it's completely different. But years ago, I was in radio, and I was doing exactly the same thing you're doing, where I'm just talking to a mic, and I have no idea who's listening, if anybody's listening. And so one of the – I went to Connecticut School of Broadcasting, and one of the biggest pieces of advice they gave me was pretend you're talking to your best friend on the phone. So pretend you're having a conversation with one person, 
and make it sound like a conversation instead of like, when did you want to create a podcast? And, you know, not like you're reading something. Make it sound like you're having a conversation. For me, I have things written down, but that's just for me to refer to it because I know I have the memory of a flea on speed with ADD. So forget it. I don't remember anything. So. And there's times where I've, I've done things like uh, I did a, a book signing and a, it was supposed to be in person, but COVID happened. So they said, we'll do it through Zoom. And it was, they said, can you fill an hour? Just like you, of course I can, that, that's easy. And so after 25 minutes, I'm looking for things to talk about. Luckily I did make it and I had fun, but I definitely know what you're saying. And you know, here's the one thing I cannot stand. I'm not sure if you ever had this experience with um, friends or people even you don't know. Oh, it's so easy. I could do my own podcast. And I always say, well, then why don't you? Why do you have to keep on saying, oh, I could do that? Well, just shut up and do it. Yeah. Do you, do you have people that do that to you? Um, not really. I don't, I, I feel like people have, at least around me, have honestly been like, oh, yeah, you should totally do that. Yeah. Like, you'd be great at it. So I think I was, that's why I was especially like surprised when it was harder than I thought. Yeah. So I feel like I would never. I guess say that ever in person, not that I have, but I'm definitely never going to be like, Oh, it's easy. You know? Cause it's not, it's not as easy as it looks, even though it's just talking, but see, the good ones like me and you make it look easy. That's why when they see us do it, like oh, I can do it. So the funny thing is, <laughs> I, I don't know if you know about this about me, but I do love messing with people. So there was an, I used to host a public access TV show years ago and there was these two, two of my friends like, Oh, I could do that. So I said, oh, you know what? Let's play a joke. I said, you go up there, you start the show, and then I'll go, I'll run up and say, hey, what are you doing? This is my show. But, so they said, yeah, that sounds good. So what I did was got them set up, they started talking, and I went like this, see you later. I walked out of the room, and they were stuck there for about 10 minutes, looking at each other. They didn't know what to do, they didn't know what to say. And I said, oh my ah, God. how easy is it now? Yeah. Yeah, like knowing when to like fellow silence i guess yeah that would have been a good time for them to show how great they are but they kind of failed <laughs> big time and i enjoyed every second of it <laughs> all right so we i told told my viewers in the intro that the name of your podcast is mom and more it's about you just had a baby last year so she just i think she's a little bit over a year old mm -hmm. and we can mention her name yeah zia baby yeah. zia baby zia yeah. so as I talked, I heard you speaking about this on the podcast, like being a mother completely consumes all of your time, especially in the beginning. So how do you maintain your own identity? Um, for me, even like early on trying to, it sounds so silly, especially for, for people who don't have children. It's like, I made sure to like set my boundaries of like, okay, at least every day I need to take a shower, which that sounds like that's just like a human need. But like for <laughs> me, it's like, <laughs> but like really when you're, when you first have a newborn and it, and if you're breastfeeding, like you're just like, it's like nonstop. And if you're pumping, whatever you're doing, it's nonstop. So like to get 30 minutes alone in the shower is like, that's amazing. So from the start, I just wanted to have some alone time. And then also just making sure I kept up with like my hobbies and um, I tried to go back to teaching as early as I could because that's like my passion. So just keeping up with things that make you feel you, making sure you get alone time. Like, can I go out and sh like you want to go out shopping or something like that where it's like I want to go to the thrift store. That makes me feel like a human. So like just giving yourself things and time to do things that 
separate you from being a mom, basically. Yeah. Well, I know so many people, and this is what I love about what you just said, because I can name example after example of people that think that once they have a kid, that is their entire life and they don't have a life of their own at all. And they live vicariously through their own child. And not even when, I mean, right now it's a little bit different because your child Z is only a little bit over a year old. So you have to be there hundred, hundred percent all the time for her. But when it, mm -hmm. I know people that are kids are like 11, 12, and I used to be a, a manager at Rite Aid and we had this pharmacist and she used to always say, Oh, all I do is watch my kid play hockey. All I do is watch my kid play football. And then she goes, well, I can't understand what you do for fun, Rich. And everybody started laughing. Like, Rich has more than enough things to do for fun. And she couldn't realize that she couldn't get the fact because she didn't have a life of her own, didn't have any of her own friends. And I think it's mm -hmm. a bad thing in a way because that kid is eventually or hopefully going to move away, go to college and be on their own. But then the, the parent is going to be stuck and say, well, what do I do now? So I think it's always important to have your own identity, have your own friends, have your own hobbies, have your own interests, but be there for your child when they need need you. Yeah. And like, that's a good example. Like, but I obviously you're going to invest so much time. I think obviously to be a good parent, you have to be super invested and you have to like, they have to be a majority of your life. But I also think it's so healthy to separate yourself and have because I, I don't see how I could be a happy, healthy human if I wasn't doing things for myself. And how are you going to, going to like raise a human and show them how to be a person if you're like not really being a person, you're just being a parent. So I feel like if I didn't separate it at least a little bit, I couldn't show up as myself. And maybe some people can just only be a parent. But yeah. any, anyone that I talk to say like, I need my alone time, I need my personal space. And it makes them better. So why wouldn't you want to keep doing what makes you a better parent? You know? Exactly. Yeah, so. I agree with you. So right now, what would be the biggest difference between pre-Mama Cat versus post-Mama Cat? <laughs> um, there's a couple of days. Um, uh, probably, I don't know. Probably, I would say, like, there's a couple things. But I would say maybe my personality and like the, the little bit of doubt that I had on who I was and like just kind of taking up space and being exactly me. I'm a lot less scared to be like the loud person in the room and I'm a lot less scared to be like completely myself, I guess. Like it's a, like, I don't, I'm, I'm a lot less, Oh, I don't mind if I'm quiet at first around someone, if they don't like me, that's fine. And before I'd be like, Oh my God, they must've thought I was so weird. I wasn't talking. And I just think about it a lot less because I'm like, well, my daughter likes me, so that's cool, you know. <laughs> as, long, as long as Zia loves me, who gives a shit about anybody else? I love that attitude. Exactly. <laughs> and then, like, obvious, yeah, I just feel like I just, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I'm fully myself, and I'm just being completely me, without like apologies. So actually, having a child built up your self-esteem. Oh yeah. Big time, big time, which is so cool. I think that's such a, I thought it was going to be the opposite, honestly, for a lot of the time, like a lot of my life was just like you, like I'm never having children, like can't do that. I want to be selfish, but if anything, having kids helped me be a little bit more selfish and like enjoy myself more and like, yeah, I just feel more myself. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm glad you said that because so many, not really anymore, but say when I was your age and even a little bit younger, people would say, oh, you're just being selfish. And people, oh, you don't, you don't like children. 
I know I, I mentioned this to you off the air, and I know you don't know who he is, but his name is Henry Rollins. He's a, a punk rock singer. He's an author. He's an actor. And he does something called spoken word, which even he says, whenever I say that, it just sounds pretentious. It's actually really good. He travels all over the world, and he just goes on stage and tells stories in a funny way. But he said something that best described me, and he was talking about himself. He said, you know what? I love kids. You got to love them unconditionally. But one time I was at an airport getting ready to go on another trip, and I saw this family of two trying to corral five kids, trying to get them all together. And they're screaming, they're yelling. And I my backpack, looked at that, and said, I made the right decision. And for me, that's how I felt because I'm, I'm not really being selfish. I just know who I am. I've always known who I am and what I like and what I don't like. And I like to do things. I like to get up and say, you know what? I feel like going here today. I feel like going there today. I'm not, I wish I could travel more, but that's more of a monetary issue. But I do like to get up and say, let me go to Boston. Let me go to New York. Let me do that. Even if it's something down the street, there's a band playing. I don't have to say, oh, we have to find a babysitter. Oh, my God. I have to get, be home by 830. Oh, I'm tired because I got up at 3 in the morning. So I just, luckily, I've always known that. And the other thing, luckily, I didn't have to have a baby to do what you, what you have right now. I remember when I was in my 20s, I used to always have that same mentality. Like, you know what? If you don't let me get out of the way, if you do come along for the ride, we're going to have a fun time. I still have friends from that time who are in their 50s now. Like, they're starting to feel like that now. And they said, Rich, I remember you telling me that 30 years ago. I wish I thought like that back then. So I'm so glad that maybe it took baby Zia to do it for you. But I'm so glad at your young age, you're actually knowing who you are and what you uh, like and who really cares what those things. Yeah. And like to bounce off that also, I think the best thing people can do is be honest and say they don't want children because if you have children, but you don't really want them, you're not going to be a good parent and you're going to raise crappy kids. So like, no, like really, like I wish I more people would just say no to kids. I think it should be an absolute yes or an absolute no. If you're like, so even if you're on the fence, like just don't do it. I just, i you're going to do yourself and your child a disservice if you have a kid and you don't really want one. Um, sorry if you can hear the baby in the background. <laughs> um, and then um, another thing is like, yeah, I'm very glad I'm finding out who I am now because I just don't want to waste any more time of my life being like, oh, you know, I'd rather be alone or have few friends than be someone who's worried about making a bunch of friends because like who cares at the end of the day. No, well, you know what's sad, and I know so many people like this, they will they would rather act like how, what they think is expected of them instead of doing what they want. And I used to always say, when people would say to me, oh, well, I'm too old for that. Why? As long as you're not neglecting your responsibilities, you can still go out and have a good time. It's not like after you hit 30, oh, I'm going to go home after work, watch TV, and go to bed. Why? You don't have to. So and I'm, I'm, that's why I'm always out there, and I'm so glad that you're saying that in this show, too. It's like, no, you, you have to have a life for yourself. You can have a life with a child, with a husband, with a wife, however, whatever makes you happy, but you have to make sure that you maintain your own identity. And I love that. And I'm so glad that seems like the most important thing that came from having the baby Zia. Yes, yes. And the biggest revelations so. that came about you. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. For me, I was... Um, you might you might have heard this sort of grapevine, but I was engaged several times. <laughs> so <laughs> the, engage, well, let's go back to engagement number one. The year was 2003. It was a sunny day. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the sky turned black when she said, I want children. And I actually oh. trying to appease her. I said, well, let me think about it. And I said, well, give me five years. And she goes, no, I want them now. 
and we end up breaking up. I know what I would do. I would end up, and we, it's not fair to the child exactly what you said, to raise crappy kids, but I would also resent that child because mm -hmm. I would feel like I'm giving all my money to this child. Uh, he's, he or she's taking up all my time and it's not fair to the child. So just like, just like mm -hmm. you said, you know what? I loved her, but see you later. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was the best thing, best thing for me anyway that ever happened. Because yeah. I would not be happy in that situation. No, and that imaginary child is thriving. <laughs> the child that never was is happier not being than, than being with that. That's what I that's one thing I can't stand when I see two people that are in a lousy relationship and they always say, Well, we're staying together for the child. I think it actually makes it worse for the child because the child is very intuitive. The child knows exactly what's going on, even though they don't say it to you. Maybe they're in their bedroom. They can hear the screaming and they can feel the cold between the mother and the father. So you're not doing your any child service of staying together. I think that the child, I mean, not always, but for me, I mean, my parents are still together. So I'm not saying this from personal experience, but I think it would be better because if, if the parents aren't happy, you get the best of both worlds because the dad's going to want to be the dad of the year. The mom's going to try and do the best she can to make up for, you know, the loss of her, the, the father. So I think the child in the long run, if they have to, there has to be a divorce, don't stay together for the child. I think the best thing to do would be to get a divorce and the child would probably be happier. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that hundred percent. And if you can healthily co-parent too, like to where it's almost like you guys are like you're split up, but you can still like hang out and spend time around each other. Yeah. I always respect seeing divorced parents being able to be around each other and in the same room. I'm like, you're making your kid have such a good life. And it would be like you said, yeah, no kid should hear screaming and hear the toxic and horrible situations and they'll get the trauma from that. So separate, it might be hard at first, but I think it's ultimately going to be way better. Um, yeah. A hundred percent. I think happy co-parenting or separating completely and the good parent takes a child, whatever it needs to be <laughs> like, just, just do what's best for your child and yourself. Cause obviously if you're in a bad relationship, you should get out of that. Well, I know, but I don't yeah, run, just keep running. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand why. I mean, I don't even, who really cares what the situation is. Say somebody cheated, which is a horrible thing, but like you said, you should still be there for the child. You can, you can, get together for maybe 45 minutes, an hour a week, and just be cordial for the child. It'll make a 100% difference in the, the relationship with the child and the parents instead of the child going, daddy doesn't want to see me, why not? Just because he's holding in a grudge against the mother because she had an affair with the mailman. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> I don't know. that's just my opinion. I don't have any yeah. kids, but I have plenty of opinions. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I just think either being a happy, like, obviously, there's going to be issues, but being a happy relationship for the most part, or get out. Yeah. Well, I have a question for you, because you're, this is 2023. You're, you're a new mom. So back in the 60s and 70s, my mom had me in 1968. She was only 18 or 19 years old when she was pregnant. Um, there were a lot of people at that age getting pregnant. Why do you think that we're more people at that age getting pregnant compared to now and people are waiting longer, like 25, 30 years old? Um, there, I mean, there's so many factors. I think even for nowadays, I'm young to have a child. I think people are waiting till their early 30s, mid 30s. Um, the biggest factor, I think, is money. I, I know people don't want to talk about it, but I think being established in your career and with money is so important 
People don't want to struggle anymore. Also, back in the 60s and 70s, you could have the dad just working and the mom could stay home. That doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. We have crappy child care. We, just the whole system for parents is not set up correctly. So I think people are waiting to be at least financially stable so that way they could just give the better option for their kid and themselves. Um, and I also think that people are just taking longer to settle down because they want to wait till they are sure, which is way better. I think, I don't know. I, I haven't seen any statistics, but I feel like there's probably a lower rate of divorce. And like, I bet, I honestly bet there's probably a lower rate of marriages though. I feel like people are just doing things slower and taking their time and, just waiting till they're actually ready instead of just being like, oh, I should be married by now. Oh, I should be having babies by now. Like, I think the timeline is kind of messed up. Yeah. So I think I think that's a big thing, too. I think people let go of the timeline. Well, you're going to be surprised by this, but I actually do have some examples. <laughs> <laughs> I know somebody that said she was well, and she was feeling, this was, This is what got me mad because I don't think she really wanted to be married at this time, but she was feeling pressure from her mother, like, come on, you're getting to an age where you should be having a baby. You should own a house. You should have the picket fence. Like, no, maybe you, maybe that's what was normal in the fifties when she was growing up, but there's a new normal now and you don't have to do what's expected of you and not what works for the norm isn't going to work for everybody. And I agree with you because I mean, perfect example is my father was a cop making $8 an hour. We, they had a mortgage. My mother wasn't working. She had three kids. They were able to support the three of us. And we had a great childhood that could never, ever happen now. And oh my God. going back even further, like you said, women um, didn't really have careers. Most like, you know, the men from the 50s, like, don't worry about it. I go to work. I take care of my woman and they would stay home. Mm-hmm. Now the woman, I mean, not only does she have to, but she wants to. She wants to have her own life. She wants to have her own career. And so I think it's better to wait, like you said, and just find yourself, find your own identity. And then by that time, after you've lived and had a good, a good, you know, in your 20s, 25, 30, it's time to settle down. All right, now I'm ready for a child. And you're older, you're mature, and you're ready for it. And I think that'll cause less divorces and happier marriages and happy children. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. And even like, um, I, I was with my husband for a long time. So even though I feel like I was young, I feel like it happened at the right time. Mm-hmm. But it's like, even with, honestly, with my sister, I was kind of like, oh, when is she going to have a kid? Like, she's getting older. She's getting older. Like, I found myself saying that in my head. And now that I realize, like, what it takes to have a kid, I respect her so much more for waiting because now she's going to be fin- way more financially stable even than I am right now. <laughs> she's going to have a better, it's going to be easier for her and her husband. So, like, I, I, I think also with, motherhood and just growing up is you can kind of call yourself out and be like I can't believe I judge that person for that because now I get it <laughs> like I, I understand like I'm like oh yeah I get it yeah. once you actually go through growth go, go through it yourself it's easier to understand oh now I know what they're thinking oh. now I know why they did that instead of before like what is their problem what they can't they can't yeah. commit they can't do this so I definitely understand that <laughs> has becoming a mom ever affected your mental health at all Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Rich knows very well. Um, uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah. So I, I developed very intense postpartum anxiety and also once I got out of it, I think it was the first time I ever really developed depression. Um, so it was just 
it was a really hard ride. It was really tough. Um, my anxiety was, I think, hormone-based because all of your hormones just go down. They say it's the the biggest hormonal drop in a human life ever is when you have a baby. So it's like your your actual biology is working against your brain. And then um, I also had like a little bit of a health scare. So all of a sudden, my anxiety around my health just like skyrocketed. So any little thing that I thought could be something serious, I just went insane about it. So, and then also it's like, you see, like I said about social media, like people love to paint motherhood as, oh my God, I just had my baby. My life is perfect now. And so once it wasn't that, it was actually really difficult. And I was like, am I going to die today or tomorrow? It just like literally, it just turned into a different ball game. And I think also just like the reality of, wow, this wasn't exactly what I expected. I thought it was going to be perfect. It hit me hard and it just, it's been a long road to get to a better place mentally, but I will say I'm, I'm doing a lot better, which is good. But after, I think, I think more moms need to be honest. I think more moms need to be like to know before it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. Most likely. (laughs) Well, I think unfortunately, not most, some moms don't want don't want anybody to know what they're going through. Like you said, just be honest. And they, oh, everything's perfect. I have the best child, the best husband, the best life. And they put that on Facebook. And like you said, everybody looks at Facebook or Instagram and says, wow, I wish my life was like that. 99% of what you see online is not real at all. That's just what they want to portray themselves as. So you were sort of in a shock because what you see on TV too makes it sound like, oh, it's so easy. You have a baby, you live happily forever after. No, there's a lot of things that go on between it. But I want I want to stop there for a second because you have three episodes and your second episode was on postpartum. And I have to say, I think that was probably my favorite episode because you have a lot of information there, but you also made it very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start off with the very first thing on that episode. Oh, no. Let's talk about your surprises on breastfeeding and your paranoia that your nipple might fall off. <laughs> okay, so... TikTok completely changed everything for me because I was getting so much information. So I remember postpartum, I saw a video and it was like, like my, my friend the other day, her nipple fell off while breastfeeding. It actually fell off and she had to go to the hospital and they had to reattach it. I had never heard that in my freaking life. So instantly I'm like, that's going to happen to me. Like mine really hurt. This is not going very well. Like this is going to happen to me. And it just, yeah, it, it was a, it was a fear that was definitely, I saw one video and it turned into, oh my God, it's going to happen. <laughs> well, that's similar to me. Whenever I, I don't do it anymore, but when I was younger, I would look at WebM- <laughs> WebMD or Google and I would think I would have every single disease. Oh, I have a pain in my chest. I'm having a heart attack. Oh wait, what's this bump? Oh my God, it's gotta be cancer. I'm dying. I had to stop doing that because I, it's like you looking at TikTok about babies was me looking at WebMD about every possible symptom I've had. So I, I mm-hmm. definitely know. Is that, was that even a real thing or was that just a joke? Because I've never, ever heard that before. Somebody's nipple falling off because of breastfeeding. Well, with TikTok, you can never really know. So yeah. like, I, I think it was real. I think it actually happened to someone, but also maybe they were punking me and yeah. they just wanted people to worry. But like, I remember seeing a TikTok like, oh, this is what a contraction feels like. And that was when I realized one time that I was having my first contraction. So I'm like, sometimes TikTok is real. Sometimes yeah. 
you think it's real, I don't know. But all I know is it's, it was enough to scare me. <laughs> also didn't probably talk about the crack problem she had and all the heroin she did. <laughs> that do with the nipple falling off. It was only about breastfeeding. <laughs> she might have left out one or two small details. Right. Oh Next up on this uh, podcast, which I found hilarious, was um, let's talk about your experiences wearing diapers and how long that lasts. That was a, that was fun. Um, I mean, <laughs> going into it, like being sarcastic. <laughs> that was something I knew was going to happen. Like I, before they tell you to like get ready with diapers or well, they tell you to wear pads, but they tell like. I've seen on videos on TikTok and YouTube, like people said, actually adult diapers are more comfortable, they're easier and whatever. So yeah, I just, you know, you're there with your baby in their diaper and you're in yours. And uh, it's a very humbling experience. It's a bonding like, I, I remember, Yeah, bonding. And just, I remember one day looking in the mirror, I'm like, I'm literally Captain Underpants. I don't know if anyone remembers that, that book from like the Scholastic um, book fairs, but I was literally Captain Underpants and <laughs> it lasted a few weeks that I had to wear that, which I, I thought, I don't know. Some people were like, oh, bleeding didn't last that long. It lasted like a, a few days or a week. And mine lasted, I feel like a little bit longer than others, but it lasted a few weeks. So, so I was, I was at home in a diaper for a few weeks and I got to feel what it was like to be a baby along with my baby. I guess if anybody ever thought you were weird, um, just tell them that you're a Mormon. Because I don't know if you know what they have to do. They have to wear a, a weird underwear. <laughs> no. <that>. Yeah. <laughs> so in case it ever happens again, I'm just a Mormon. What are you talking about? Nothing weird about that. <laughs> Honestly, they were easy, though. So I might take it up every once in a while. So, <laughs> just a normal day. It's, this is what I call Wednesday. <laughs> Yeah, you know, with my with my diapers, that's what I got on. <laughs> well, the one thing I am glad that you got over was your balding problem. Let's talk about that. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So, if anyone doesn't, <laughs> if anyone yeah, doesn't know, to, right now, before you even start, I want to tell everybody you have to listen to her podcast, Mama and More. It is great. It's on Spotify. Subscribe right after you're done watching this. I love this show. <laughs> Um, yeah, you get you get a lot of hair loss postpartum. I don't know why exactly I haven't like looked I think it's just hormones and stuff like that. And also you were taking like extreme vitamins while you're pregnant, so then you don't really take them as much. I think you're just like depleted. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of hair loss. I remember like looking at my shower and I do this horrible, annoying thing that I'm sure my husband loves where I smear my hair on the shower when I take it, like if I have like a clump. And like it used to be just like a couple of clumps, but like I looked in the shower after like one of my like first showers realizing and I'm looking and there's just it literally looked like a wall of hair. Like there was so much hair, it was disgusting. It was like if there was a horror like on a haunted house, if they had a hair room, that was like what the <laughs> that was my shower and i and i was feeling my head after i'm like oh my god do i have any left and it felt thin so i was a little worried but thankfully i have so much hair that it really didn't make a dent but i remember i've, I've seen women on my my instagram and some moms that i've talked to and they literally have like bald spots or like the front of their hair it's like growing in and i don't know if anyone's seen like um the rugrats but there's like this barbie doll where the hair is and i'm like that's that's literally what it it happens. It's kind of crazy. That's funny. You're like the Jackson Pollock of uh, pregnancy. We're just throwing things against the wall. Yeah. With my hair. That's what I could attack people with that. 
<laughs> right. Next up on postpartum, which just sounds like it's so much fun so far. I feel so bad for parents that don't, or women that don't get to experience anything with postpartum. Let's talk about your body odor. Oh yeah. Mm, yeah. Let's get into that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I still to this day don't know if it was just if you're breastfeeding or if you're not, but <laughs> at least any mom that I've talked to that's breastfeeding had the same. So I wasn't alone, but you get really stinky. Like, I don't know what's, I, I already get bad garlic breath. I try not to eat garlic in public, but it smells as if I rubbed garlic and onions all in my armpits and put garlic powder on. It was just, yeah, you stink. It was stinky. It was sweaty and it was stinky. I would wake up in the middle of the night drenched in sweat and smelling like an onion. It was just, it was so not flattering, so not attractive. And I've heard rumors that it's so that way your baby knows that it's you, like it's their mom. I'm like, how, how rude of, of whoever created human beings how rude to be like yeah you're gonna smell like crap but only because your baby will be like, mommy oh you smell like like shit i'm so glad <laughs> i was just gonna say i bet you if they could really read the baby's mind be like i wish my mom didn't smell so bad i wish i had a mom that didn't smell like that Man, i wish we'd freaking shower <laughs> is mom ever gonna take a shower <laughs> does mom did mom ever hear the word water what's going on <laughs> Like, I guess I can find her, but I wish she smelled like flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why most babies' first words are, dad, dad. <laughs> dad, dad doesn't smell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So well, I'm so glad that you, what did you do to get over that problem then? Because that must have been, I mean, I would be a little self-conscious of that too, especially since you're out in public and you're like, oh my God, do I smell? Is that me? Did you just load yourself with well, body wash and deodorant lucky for me i'm always paranoid i've been paranoid my whole life about smelling so i have like it's called clinical strength deodorant so it like basically stops you from sweating completely which i know is not healthy but like stop me from sweating i have that i would i would have my um perfume bath before i would leave the house and then with time it did go away um so yeah, I think unless unless no one's telling me how bad I smell. I had my uh, sweat gland surgically removed, so I can never sweat again. Nothing major. You can do Botox actually, and you can get rid of them. I did look into that, so I was like, "What if this is permanent?" See, I like what you do. You take things to the extreme to make sure that, no, that everything is perfect. I like your I style. Don't want to smell like, like onions. So the other thing that made me laugh on that podcast on that episode was the fact that you thought that you were going to have so much time you were going to be a painter you're going to be a poet maybe a jewelry maker you had all these big plans did you have a chance to do any of it no no i was lucky i was lucky if i didn't look homeless for the day like i was lucky if i didn't look like the ogre under the bridge um <laughs> It was just, it was really, it was even more, everyone said you're, it's really time consuming, but I just didn't really understand what that meant until it happened. And yeah, there was no time to be doing that. And if I did have time, I either wanted to sleep or numb my mind by watching Love Island or something like that. So I wasn't, I wasn't taking up the crocheting like I thought I was. <laughs> well, I can say watching Love Island would numb anybody's mind. doesn't matter if you're pregnant or not. <laughs> My recommendation recommendation of the day. <laughs> Love Island. <laughs> okay. Yes. You want to completely 
uh, scramble your brain. Love Island. <laughs> I'll make sure to record that in my DVR starting after this. <laughs> oh, so you, you mentioned it a little bit, but you with postpartum, the two biggest things that you encountered were anxiety and depression. Did you have that before postpartum at all? Did you have any experience with anxiety, any panic attacks, or was that just strictly postpartum? Um, I've always had anxiety. Um, I will say I've never actually been to a therapist, but I definitely, I, I've always had very anxious tendencies, very anxious. Um, I've only had what I remember as to be a panic panic attack, I think I've only had like two or three in my life, um, triggered by like just like really stressful, bad situations. Um, so I've experienced it, but this was like no other. This like the panic attacks of this just were the worst. Where there was one panic attack where I went to the hospital because I was one hundred percent convinced that I had I was having a heart attack. All right, here we are on take two. We had a little technical difficulties. We did stand by for just a little while, but we are back better than ever with yeah. Mama Cat. And when we last left our program, she was talking about postpartum and some of the dark thoughts that she did have. We were talking about anxiety and depression were two of the main symptoms. And if she ever had anxiety or depression before, if this was a brand new experience for her. So you said that you did have a little bit of, of that, but it was more amplified. And I think when we last left off, you said you had a heart attack scare. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it didn't help too. It's like the doctors tell you like, oh, hey, look out for this, this and this because I did have um, blood pressure issues. So they were like, something could be wrong. I think you might have, it's called hypertension. So they think that I had high blood pressure and that it might stay even after I had the baby. So they give, they gave me a list of things to look out for. And of course, now all I was thinking about was, do I feel that? Like, and like my hand would go numb. Like that was a big thing. Like my left arm, just like in the movies. And like, I couldn't feel my left side. And like, I was feeling like I was um, just kind of like, I couldn't move and tired. And then all of a sudden the heart palpitations and the chest pains and the high blood pressure. We took my blood pressure was skyrocketing. I'm just like, this is it. I had to call my mom. She brought me to the hospital. Of course, we're just sitting in the waiting room of the hospital for like two hours. Like clearly I wasn't having a heart attack. And they were like, oh, I think you're just dehydrated. I think that was their nice way of telling me that you just had an anxiety. <laughs> you just need some water, ma'am. <laughs> they pumped me with fluids. and. <laughs> That's funny. I remember years ago, I was, yeah, I was about your age. And as I mentioned I had the web, WebMD and Google, and I thought I had the same thing. My hand went numb. It's like I'm looking at every symptom. It's like oh, I'm gonna have a heart attack. Finally, I got so sick of it. I said, I guess I'm just gonna die. And I went to sleep. Woke up the next morning. I was healthy, back to normal. Like nothing happened. I went right to work. <laughs> I just think it's funny. Like I said, you post. You make you make having a baby sound like so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I want four of these. <laughs> Yeah, kind of wild. Um, <laughs> and it definitely is like a big deterrence of having any others. <laughs> so, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to think I'm dying for like half a year again. So, <laughs> Has that subsided yet? Um, yes. Yeah. Big, right. big time. My blood pressure, I have uh, like I take medication for it, but like my blood pressure is under control and um, I very rarely have 
I don't have panic attacks like that. And if I do have like somewhat of a panic attack or heightened anxiety on, on a day, it's, it's nowhere as bad. So it's, it's been getting better. And now that I know that it's probably anxiety, I'm just like, eh, it's probably not a heart attack. And that'll be the one time when it's actually a heart attack. Eh, that's what I'm panic. saying. Sometimes that's why I spiral. I'm like, no, if I ignore this, but maybe I just need to take a, a page out of Rich's book and just be like, ah, I'm going to sleep. It's like, I'm just going, you know, I, I need to get up in the morning. I'm just going to die. Yeah. <laughs> it works every time. <laughs> And, and sadly, they let you sit there for so long. I mean, you're, besides the heart attack, you're probably going to just die of old age waiting in the emergency room anyway. So it doesn't really matter. And some guy's calling a taxi because he's hammering and he's only there because he got sent there. And I'm just like, this is how I'm going out? <laughs> Watching the guy, someone pick me up! <laughs> and all you hear is, sorry, ma'am, you have to fill out all the forms. Yeah. But I'm dying. He was here before you. He's drunk. <laughs> Get him an Uber. I'm dying. I like a nurse would come in and they were like, oh, I don't know. I think she's having a heart attack. <laughs> I'm like, I'm glad we're so casual about it because I'm freaking out. <laughs> I love their bedside manner. Eh, it's not, another so nice. heart attack as they're laughing behind your back. Yeah. <laughs> another heart attack. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I'm glad you survived that one. Me you too. did mention on that episode that you had a lot of dark thoughts. What kind of thoughts did you have? Just, just weird scenarios, um, like intrusive thoughts of like things that would never happen, like being convinced that, well, for for me personally, like, are you meaning just my dark thoughts in my own head, like about anxiety and stuff? Um. Uh, yeah, just like thinking that, I mean, obviously thinking that you might die because you're going to have a heart attack. I'm like, well, maybe that would be easier than what I'm going through in my mind. And there were a lot of mental breakdowns and just thinking like, this is never going to end. I like, I can't live like this. Yeah. Like if, if this was actually a reality at all times, it got really scary and just, I just kind of lost that at points. And then there were some times that I would just completely disassociate and just like lay there and I just felt like I wasn't actually where I was and it was just it was really weird it was just a weird feeling and just basically just having dark thoughts of whether or not it was like worth it being there anymore if I can I couldn't feel like myself it was just it was really scary at sometimes but thankfully I had like good people around me to be like you know you're just you're just going through the motions and you're just crazy like, don't worry about it you'll be fine yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like my mom was like texting Matt and like being like, you know, just watch out for this, this and this. Is she doing okay? Like people were definitely like making sure that I was doing okay, which felt good. So yeah, those those were just basically the dark thoughts. Just not not sure if I was gonna make it, and then sometimes being like, I can't live like this anymore. Like ugh, no, yeah, nothing major. A few suicidal thoughts. Come on, everybody yeah. have that. Everyone has those sprinkled in. You know, you just. It, 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 is life even worth it if you don't have a couple yeah. of those? No, exactly. <laughs> At least it, it makes the good times a lot better, though. Going through those and then getting to where I am now, I'm like, oh, life is really good. Thank God I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never thought of it like that. But when, when you have those really low lows, it makes everything else feel like, this is pretty damn, life is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so this is all brand new to Matt as well. So what did he do to calm you down? Um, Just a lot of reassurance. Um, he was careful to not call me crazy, but just call, like, just help me, you know, cause it's probably, 
I feel like it's so jarring because I was never really like this before. So yeah. just being, just reassuring me um, if I had a, like, if I was like, I feel like my blood pressure is high. Like, I don't feel good. Like he would make sure like, okay, we're going to take it right now. And then what, as soon as I saw that my blood pressure was fine, I'm like, okay, it must just be my anxiety right now. So just, just helping reassure me. And um, like on the nights where I really just could only lay down and just try not to freak out he would you know take over the baby duties and watch her for me completely um make sure he got up earlier than me if i had a rough night and just take care of her in the morning so he just he just helped like you know when it was 90 30 he was the 90 (laughs) when i needed to be the 30 or maybe even less so yeah he's just supportive and just did exactly what he needed to do in it in that situation Okay. Well, I'm going to say a phrase and I want your reaction. What can I do for you? Uh, It's annoying. Don't say it. (laughs) Why is it annoying? Um, just not, it's okay. So it's not annoying every single time, but you know, on those days when you're overwhelmed and you clearly probably just want someone to take the freaking baby or to offer you to have like, Oh, you know, go time, have time yourself. It gets frustrating, at least in my mind. Yeah. And I know a yeah. lot of other people's minds. It's like, they have to know what I want right now. Like they have to know that I want to like go and take a shower and like take some time outside. Like I just sometimes it's so infuriating that they can't just put two and two together. So to and also you're just overwhelmed a day where you were just like in baby land and yeah. then they just went and worked and had a normal day and they come back. It, it'd be nice if like men just like took the initiative and instead of asking just did or at least instead of saying, what can I do to help? Just say, <laughs> hey, would you like me to do this or would you like me to do this? Like give yeah. give like, you know, actual options. It's it's like kind of the same as like a restaurant. Like when you like I was like, no one no woman knows where she wants to eat. Like if you actually give her a couple options, she'll say no to both and then she'll say, actually I want Chick-fil-A. You know, so it just yeah. just actually give some real advice and yeah. help and it's very similar to if somebody dies and after the funeral, if there's anything I could do for you, it's like shut up. <laughs> there's nothing you can no, do for me. You can do. Like yeah, exactly. or do something, but saying that doesn't do anything yeah yeah but i think i think whoever i have a baby with they would love me because without even me knowing i would say you smell like garlic why don't you take a shower and they would think <laughs> okay, nice. but i would just because they smell so badly it's like you want to go take a shower oh rich you're so understanding not really you just stink <laughs> <laughs> oh man so, do, do you have do you let matt know right away all right, you're, you're getting on my nerves or this and like, I mean, because you give some examples in your podcast or do you just keep it quiet and hold some resentment for a while? No, I'm I'm someone who word vomits and I want to like, I like what? to get things out right away. Let's talk about it. Or even, even if I sound kind of bitchy, like I just want to say like, hey, by the way, you're really bothering me right now. So, but because it also helps him understand like I'm not just being rude all night because I'm holding something in, I'd rather just say like, you're annoying me tonight. And then maybe he can give me space or he can understand why I'm being the way that I am. Um, So yeah, if something is bothering me, I usually just say it right away. And if we have an issue, I want to talk about it right away or else I like just, I I need to resolve things. (laughs) No, you know, I, I love that because 
I'm very similar. I can't stand when you just let it go, you let it go. And then it makes the situation, it probably wasn't even that bad in the beginning, even worse, because the more you think about it, the angrier you get. And the other person has no idea that you're even angry at thinking all these thoughts. So just say, get it out. You know what? You're being an asshole. Just yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about? Yeah. So I, I prefer that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I want your opinion on this because it seems like it's happening more now than it did maybe in the past where parents, instead of being their parent, they'd rather be their friends. Okay. I want so your this opinion is actually on that. One, so this, this is one that's interesting that you're saying. So I struggle with this because um, I grew up personally with a parent. Yes. And now I get to be like, like friends with my parents. Yeah. Um, and I guess I always envy people who had a friend parent. I think now that I'm on the outside, now that I'm raising my daughter, I obviously like, I really want her to be my friend. And like, I'm like, oh, I want that really close relationship, but I'm also not naive. And I'm understanding that like, I do have to be the parent a lot of the time. So for me personally, I feel like there's got to be a healthy balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and for what I want out of my relationship with my daughter, like I'd like to have a balance. I do want her to be like, think of me as a friend, but I also want her to understand like when I'm being serious and like when like, oh, this is mom talking mm-hmm. and not, you know, my buddy like, oh, like I like this boy at school, you know, like yeah. I, I want I want her to be both with me and I want her to respect me, but I don't want her to fear me. So I just think like there's got to be a middle middle ground. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I, I saw some people grow up and they had friends as parents and they didn't end up the best or they had a lot of issues. So I, I just feel like, you know, there's extremes and I'm glad I turned out the way I am. And a lot of the times I'm glad I had a parent, not a friend. But then there's a lot of times where I'm like, oh, I wish I had a friend at that point. So just just finding the balance, really. I think the most the major thing would be what you said was having children have respect for you, because if they don't have any respect for you, they're going to walk all over you like, oh, she, I don't have I don't fear her at all. So if they have respect for you, they're going to be your friends. They're going to like you. and They're going to love you. and They're going to want to do things with you. And let's move to engagement number two for me. <laughs> so I was going to move to Texas and she had a nine year old daughter. And the daughter loved me. So, I mean, one example was there was a take your father to school day. She's like, I take you instead. I can't wait to hear my father. So when I was ready to live there, I was going to move to Texas. And I was staying there for a while. She goes, Rich, she's going to have to know that she's going to have to listen to you. So there was one time I remember the first time I said, all right, Shelby, it's time to go to bed. She's laughing. I said, no, Shelby, you have to go to bed now. She la- I said, Shelby, you heard what I said. Oh, you're serious. I'm sorry, Rich. So I had to let her know, like, right when I was getting ready, like, she's, I'm, I'm not just the fun guy that's going to be living there. You're also going to have to listen to me. I'm going to be your stepdad. And luckily she was such a great kid and she learned, I mean, not learned. She respected me, respected her mother. And she said, okay, I'm sorry. And then she did, but some kids you have more issues with because, but I think it's because sometimes the parent, I mean, there's so many different examples I can give you, but one example would be if, the parents got divorced and the kids were young and then they feel guilty. So, oh, you know, what? I, I, I feel bad for the kids. So I want to give them, I want to be more lenient. And unfortunately, that's where I can give you examples where the kid just turns out bad because they, they have zero respect. They don't care what anybody says to them and they get involved mm-hmm. in things they shouldn't be getting involved with. So they do have, to, I like what you're saying. You have to have a healthy balance of mm-hmm. I'm your parent, but come on, let's go hang out. Let's have some fun. Yeah. And like nowadays, there's a lot of different 
parenting styles and people love to label what they parent as like there's something called soft parenting where it's a lot of like I never yell I never raise my voice um I don't know all everything about but um and I remember when I first had my baby I was like oh that's what I want to be but then the more I look at it I'm like I think I need I don't think I want to label my parenting I don't want to yell and I don't want to hit that's things I don't want to be doing to my child but I think there's I'm just gonna have to find my own way in parenting and not label it and not pay attention too much about what other people are doing because you know I I I also like you said before I teach dance so I also even have students where I'm like "Ooh, that person's getting soft parented like they're not listening to me at all and it's kind of like haha you're you're not happy with me I don't care and that's fine if that's what you want to be doing but for me personally what I want for my child and what I want for me too and my mental like my mental health I just I want to find yeah that respect like I remember um I love both my parents but you know like my dad when he would say something like I'm disappointed in you that would hurt way worse than like when my mom was yelling at me because I got used to my mom yelling at me but when my dad said something like that I was like oh I really messed up or like the rare times that he would yell I'm like oh my god it hurt so bad It it was so much worse than the person who's always always yelling so I think it just and like it's hard. Parenting's hard, but I, I personally want to really try my best to like find that perfect balance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and every kid is different. So I mean, every situation yeah. is different. So you can't just open up a book and say, Oh, this is, I'm going to do this, this, and this one thing that Zia might do might need this kind of parenting. Another thing she does might need that kind of parenting. So, yeah. and so you have to, yeah, you have to use each, each situation differently. And I, I, I like to, I mean, cause I mean, I remember, Rich, I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I know exactly what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Out. Yeah, you're like, damn, I'm the worst kid ever. Great. <laughs> and you know what's funny? I am, I have a friend, and I've known her for over 30 years, and she has a 17 year old daughter now. And kids will try to push to see how far they can go. And I remember this so yeah. clearly. She had to be about three or four years old, and she was doing all these different things. And she was, are you just doing this because you think you can get away with it? Because Rich is here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she knew that she was trying and so they're like no you're not you're not doing this anymore so she would take something away and then she'd go upstairs and cry but she had to learn she, she was just trying to see how much she can do how far she can push her and then when she realized she couldn't push her she backed off yeah so, <laughs> do you welcome constructive criticism um yes do you? but okay. i also don't need it from everybody and it depends on if you're experienced or if I basically comes down to if I respect your opinion. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So um, like my best friend who became a mom just before I did, I could respect her opinion on something or if she wanted to, you know, help me out because I would, I think that it's coming from a good place. And um, same with my mom, you know, she, she raised um, three children and she did foster care so I respect what she says, even if maybe it's a little outdated sometimes. Like I can, I can, I can respect that she's coming from a lot of experience. Yeah. Um, but if for some reason I know who you are and I know that you're not the best parent or person, <laughs> um, and you give me advice, like it just it takes everything in me to be like, are you joking that you want to give me advice? So I'll take it from the right person. Yeah. And 
obviously you can do whatever you want with constructive criticism. So like, like maybe I'll take it. Maybe I won't, but I, I do respect it. It just has to be from someone that I respect. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely understand it. It can't be from the drunk down the street who had, yeah. you know, four kids that don't even talk to him. When I was a dad, I, this is what I did. Okay. Well, that's why none of your kids talk to you and you're li you live alone in a shack outside in somebody's backyard. So <laughs> I definitely know what you're saying there. Yeah. It's like, mm, thanks, but no thanks. I don't want to know. <laughs> Are you seeing this now where uh, I have a friend who said, man, I wish my parents were as nice to me as they are to my child. So they spoiled the grandchild, but growing up, they were so tough on him. Do you have a similar experience right now where you're as grandparents? I think it's a little bit, I mean, I was never either. So I'm just saying from what I think it would be like, it's easier to be a grandparent, sort of like me being uncle rich. I go there for a little while, have a good time and then say, Catherine, here you go. I'll see you tomorrow. So it's a, that's sort of like being a grandparent in a way where you, you're, they're not your responsibility except for a couple hours and you can have fun with them. But when it's your actual child, you're raising them, you want them to be the best child. So you might be a little tougher on them. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, I actually loved seeing it um, in my parents. It actually gave me a different love and respect for them. Um, personally, for me, like my dad and I weren't always that close. So to see him fall in love with my daughter so much, it brought us a little bit closer and just gave me like, oh, like that's that's a side of him that I didn't I didn't see or maybe I just didn't notice growing up. So I just. I, I personally love it. I like that they spoil her and I, I think it's, yeah, I just think it's really cool. And also now that I'm a parent, I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to be a grandparent too. Cause like, that seems so fun. It like, it just feels like, wow, like look at my baby all grown up with the baby. Like, I feel like that's going to be so wild. I like just, it's just, I, I don't know. It's just a trip, but I, I can appreciate my parents being strict with me when I was younger and I think I'm going to love that they're just like, oh, we gave Zia cake and ice cream and let her do whatever she wanted today. Here she is. Like, I think I think I'm going to love it. I think it's going to be I'm just going to be glad that she has great grandparents. And my parents are those like perfect grandparents. Oh, so good. I'm just I'm just thankful. I'm not upset with them for because I can see you want you want your kids to not be like fuck ups you want them yeah. to you know you want your kids to be good like and yeah. there's no rule book like you said there's no yeah. perfect way so yeah. um i and also i i saw a quote the other day and it was said like it was just about a mom in particular but it said like it's your mom's first time here too mm -hmm. so you should be a little bit more lenient with her so it's like we're still just because we're older doesn't mean we still have everything figured out so i think I don't know. I think I have a lot more compassion towards my parents too. Like I get why they were strict yeah. and I can just be like, yeah, whatever. As long as they're good grandparents, that's all I care about. Yeah. No, no, I like that. Do you get this now? Because I've seen this with my friends growing up when you have one kid, Oh, now you have to have another because now they can have a friend. And that to me, I think that's just lazy parenting and I don't think it's fair. And I'm going to go back to my friend who has the, the 17 year old daughter. Now when she was growing up, everybody was doing that to her. I was the only one's like, no, you don't understand. You don't see it. She would is so possessive of you. She would be so jealous. She would probably drown the baby when you weren't looking. She just loves being the center of attention. She would kill that baby. And, and she was so worried that she was going to, she was going to get a foster brother or foster sister. Cause she was, I said, you can't listen to everybody else. 
I'm telling you, she's and it was she's way better off being an only child, not only because she got all the attention, but also everything is so expensive. She loves dancing. She loves acting. She loves playing field hockey. She loves doing all these different things. I said, imagine doing that for two or three kids. One of the kids would have to sit home and read a book because there's no way you can handle it for all three of them. Are you getting that right now? Um, yeah, I definitely have gotten it from a lot of people. Um, I personally, cause I have a battle going back and forth with having one and having two. Yeah. Um, and I can, I see all the really great things of having one. So like, if I end up having one, I know it's going to be fine and it's going to be amazing. And for me having two, it's never considering, oh, well that one can watch the other one. And I've had people actually say, like, you have to have two. Who's going to watch your baby? See, I hate I'm like, that. what are you talking about? Exactly. It's, it's different if someone's like, I really love having a sibling. You should have two. There's nothing like sibling bond. I get when someone's coming from an, a, a side of that standpoint. Um, I still don't think you should give people. That's like one unneeded advice that people give. Yeah. Um, stop telling people to have multiple. Stop asking them if they're going to. Um, I think only children can have really awesome lives and you also are a better parent because you're only dealing with one and you don't have the stresses of two also what if your second one sucks <laughs> then you're like then you're like then you're you turn into a different parent and you like your first one way better <laughs> like, that's what I'm afraid of I'm like what if I have a really bad second baby um you know what's funny and- speaking of that I have two brothers and I always ask my parents were you just trying to get it right <laughs> I said why did you keep <laughs> because for people who don't know if you, people have watched the other episodes I was born cerebral palsy I was given the last rights three times they said I would never walk never talk i was so sickly i was in the hospital almost every other day for the first couple years of my life and i said why would you want another one of those and she was only 18 or 19 years old i can't believe everything she went through and she still did it again so i know that's why i laughed so hard because i know exactly what you're thinking because i mean i don't even want one but if i was going to have at least one i'd be like "Uh, i don't know we did we did good with this one yeah yeah i i like obviously children are hard and there's bad parts, but I'm like, I really feel like I got super lucky with my first baby yeah. from at least hearing other people's experiences. So yeah, it's scary to think about another one. Um, and I just think I there's just so many, there's so many pluses, there's so many negatives. Yeah. And I hate when people try to push me in a certain direction. Yeah. I know ultimately I'm going to do whatever I want to do anyway. And I know one or two, I'm going to be it's going to, I'm going to do the right thing for me and I'm going to be a great parent, whether it's one or two. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like the idea of people, people have straight out said, like we were talking about, like you have to have two. So that way the other one can watch the older one can watch a little one. That's not why I would have a second child. That's not even in like my mind. So stop saying that to people and stop doing that. If that's what you're doing, I don't like that at all. I'm going to give my opinion because I know you, off the air and you are, I mean, you have so many different interests and I know that you would love to get your daughter. From what I've seen of your daughter, she's gonna grow up to be doing something very creative, something where she's like, like you do dancing and things like that. And I think she's gonna be, I think that she is gonna be fine only if you have one. If you have two, I'm sure she'll be just as fine, but I don't think you need one. I mean, obviously you said it yourself, you don't need one to, so they have a sibling because they're, because the watch, but I don't think she also needs one because she's going to be lonely growing up. I think she's going to have plenty of friends. She's going to have plenty mm-hmm. of activities. 
So if, if you ever, which I don't think you are, but if you were ever thinking of having one just because, oh, I don't want her to grow up alone, I think she's going to do just fine because just yeah. knowing, and I think that I love the fact that because, I mean, knowing you and your husband, you're both going to instill self-esteem in your child. They're both, she's going to grow up knowing that she's great and she can do great things instead of like, oh, I'm a nobody. I'm a, so I love the fact that I think she's going to do well, regardless if she has a brother or sister. Like from, from oh, my yeah. father, I think he just got home from Vietnam and he was happy to see my mother. That's the only reason there's a couple of brothers. <laughs> I really have no, I really don't think that they were worried about, oh, Rich needs a brother or a sister. No. <laughs> they were definitely like, let's see if we could do this right the second time. And then you have two brothers, right? Two brothers. So and the last one was probably an accident. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm saying yes. Just kidding. But maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the jury's still out on that one. I also, this is uh, an unpopular opinion, but I am a child of three. Like, it's three of us. Yeah. I don't like threes. Are, are I feel you like the youngest? you have to have two. I'm the youngest. Okay. And I think you should either have two or four. Mm -hmm. I think three is a bad number. There's a reason why three people usually can't be friends. Like there's always a favorite friend. And like, I just feel like I don't, bad things happen in threes. <laughs> I just feel like, yeah, personally, yeah. it's two or four. And I would never want more than two. So. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hoping that... If, if you if you have an accidental third one, you're like, all right, let's just have one more so we have an even set. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I want to go back to engagement number one for myself. So <laughs> she, this is what was her reason for wanting a kid so bad. Well, when we're old, we'll have somebody to take care of us. I said, really, that's the one reason you want a kid? I said, first of all, you never, you don't know if the kid's going to take care of us. But second of all, that is not a good reason to have a child. Have one because you want to have a kid. And she romance, she was basically saying what you were talking about earlier about watching the TV show. Oh, we get to go to the park and walk the kid. And this, I was like, your list, these are all the good things. What about getting up at two in the morning cleaning shit watching piss off the you know, just there's so many different things screaming yelling just all i mean those are just minor examples of taking care of a child in the very beginning then growing up you have to make sure that they're not doing this you're not drinking and driving they're not doing it so it's, but she just had it in her mind that i want a kid and that's it and um, I, I'm, I'm hoping she's happy now but that was definitely not part of my life <laughs> yeah and I think also, if anything, I've learned, too, is a lot of people grow old and then they realize their kids aren't really taking care of them. Yep. Also, it's, it's a lot of money to take care of someone who's elderly. So you're probably going to end up in a home anyway. And your kid's going to visit you once a week if you're lucky, maybe once a month. So, yeah, don't think about it that way. I would obviously hope that Zia wants to visit me and help me when I'm older, but I'm not going to that's not the reason I had her. And that's, I would like to not think about that yeah. part or I want to have a plan myself. So that way she doesn't have to do much at all. So, yeah. Well, the sad thing is, is the way everything is going now, kids don't leave we're home until they're 45 or 50 anyway. So we're, we're not even going to have homes by the time we're old. We're just going to have, like, they send you out into the wild. <laughs> like you're just done. Like you're going to live off the grid now and we'll see if you survive. <laughs> To make another great reality show. I'd watch that one. Yes. That's the one reality show I would watch. <laughs> Old and afraid. 
Now, here's a question regarding you. Do you have a okay. do you find it difficult setting boundaries and why? Um, so I always have, <laughs> um, I've always had a really bad issue with saying no. Um, I like to impress and I like to show that I'm like someone to rely on and that I'm capable and worthy. And I just feel like I always have to go above and beyond. So if someone asked me to do something, I would really find it hard to say no. And I feel like I always overextended myself. Mm -hmm. And um, I said this in one of my episodes, but just becoming a mother helped me kind of reel that in a little bit. I still have, like, I still want to give a lot to people because I care about people, mm -hmm. but I find myself not realizing that it, it's not always reciprocated. So it's okay if you say no, because guarantee if it was the other way around, they wouldn't be doing it for you. So I think mm -hmm. that's really important to know. Um, especially like for me, it's like work-life balance and, you know, saying yes or saying no to, you know, should I cover someone's shift or should I come in? It's like, would that person do it for me? And also, is this actually appreciated or do they just really need someone? Mm -hmm. And like, I realize how much I value my time off and my days off. I like, I get to do something so cool and I'm raising a person. So it just, it just helped me kind of reel in and realize my priorities. And yeah. it's a yeah. lot easier for me to say yes or no and really feel confident with my yes or no. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I understand that completely. We've talked about this off the air. I am definitely a tit for tat person. You don't want to do it for me? Why should I go out of my way for you? I yeah. completely understand that. And I love the fact it goes back to uh, not caring. I'm glad it happened earlier in your life because most people don't realize that until they're older and then it's like too late for them like maybe 60s or 70s when most of their life's already gone where like i just don't care i i have this i'm happy with this i don't really need anything else i don't need your approval i could care less what you think and you don't have to be rude about it but you can still have that you know what thank you very much for your opinion and just go on with your own life and say you know what i know what i like and this is i'm not going to change anything about me so exactly yeah. so I know you're talking about you're not really sure if you're going to have a second child or not, but if you do, what would you do differently than what you've done so far with Zia? Um, my second time around, uh, especially during the postpartum phase, I would be a little bit more, I, I did pretty good with like set, putting my foot down and setting boundaries, but I think I'd be even more so. I think I would wait even longer to have anyone meet my newborn. And I think I would just, it would be so much easier for me to be like, Hey, don't kiss. Um, I, there was a couple times like when we would have people over that I would have to tell Matt to tell them like, don't kiss her face. And <laughs> cause I would feel a little nervous, but I knew that that's what I wanted. And that's how I'd feel comfortable with even having the gathering. So yeah. I think the next time around, if I was to have another one, I would just be like, yeah, don't kiss her. <laughs> There's no yeah. need to kiss her, please. Thanks. And I would be like, I'm not ready yet to have visitors or I shouldn't gather for this party because it's just stressing me out. And if someone had an issue with it, I'd feel like zero guilt where maybe the first time around, even if I said no, someone would be like, well, I don't understand why you won't just let me kiss them. And then I would feel a little bit bad. Like maybe I should have the second time around. I'd be like, no, I'm glad. Like, don't kiss my baby. You're Jeremy. Like I'm Jeremy and I wouldn't want to. So no. So yeah, yeah you know what? Just, that's yeah. what I would do different. That's, that's the best thing. Don't worry about if they're going to be mad or not. This is your baby. You're the mother and you have final say. So don't let mm -hmm. somebody try to make you feel guilty about whatever they're saying. It's like, if mm -hmm. that's what they, they should be 
upset that they're not respecting your wishes. That's my opinion. Exactly. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that you had a problem with that. I promise I won't do it again. Right, yeah. So and I like, if, no, sorry. Oh, yeah. It, I also think that if anyone around me ever has a baby again, I think I'll also be a little bit even more mindful too. Because I feel like sometimes I've been like, oh, well, come over this weekend if you want. And I think I might just hold back and just think about how what I would want a little bit more. Yeah. All right. So what's your opinion on this? What if your next child was a boy? And I'm not even talking about as a baby, like as they're getting older, how would you treat him differently compared to you treating Zia growing up? So say Zia is 15 years old. Now, I'll give you an example of what I mean, because my father made this comment because there's three boys in our family. Oh, if I had a girl, I would never let her leave the house. I said, I would sneak her out. So that's a double standard. I said, just because I'm a guy, I could do whatever I want. What's well, different? Why is it different? If you're teaching her right and teaching her how to be safe and know, I think education is number one important. Like instead of these people are so worried about, I'm, as we're talking about older children now, talking about sex education, and they're so afraid, like if they know that, they're going to go do it. If they don't know what they're doing, it's going to be even worse because they're going to come home pregnant or with STDs. So I think it's better that they should know. So I want your opinion on how you would treat having a boy instead of a, a girl that you have now. Um, yeah, that's a good good point. Um, I think for the most part, I wouldn't treat him differently, but there's things where... I personally would let a guy, a boy know what negative things men have done and to just to try not to do those things. And if I had a boy next, obviously he would have an older sister. So I'd explain to him, like, would you want that to happen to your sister or would you want your sister to be in that kind of situation, um, whatever it was about. And yeah, I just, I don't think I would really do that much different. I would just have to kind of instill a little bit more on a guy and about like going out and what to, what to say, what you should and shouldn't say to girls or what, if you're into whatever you're into, just, just yeah. the expectations that guys have, have in the past seemed less. So I would just make sure that he knew that he had a lot of expectations just as much as his sister did. But for the most part, I wouldn't treat them like he wouldn't be able to do more than her. And yeah. he would have just as strict rules because I personally had a brother in the middle and he got to do a lot more, I felt. And it just I don't I don't I don't want to be part of that. <laughs> I would rather just have them be even. But I would make him aware of the things that he's expected of and the things that maybe like boys will be boys line will not be said to him. Like yeah. you are not. No, you are a human being and you need to act as one. And I also have a couple of friends who have sons. So I think I would just go to them for advice on what, how I should treat him differently. I guess I don't really know that much about how I would go about it. So I would have to learn it from experience and also maybe ask, I guess. Yeah. Well, no, the example I'm thinking of is when I was, you know, maybe 17 or 18, my father came downstairs and he found a girl in my room. He's like, all right, high five. And that's when he made the comments like, oh, boy, if I had a daughter, she'd never leave the house. And I said, that's not really fair to the girl. I'm so glad you don't have a daughter because it was, mm -hmm. oh, she would be stuck. So if say if Zia had a date and you would feel comfortable with her going out because you know her, you trust her, you know, she, she has a great head on her shoulders and you wouldn't stop her more than you would stop the boy. That's what it sounds like that you're saying. Yeah, I would just I would try to be even. It would be yeah. the same. They both would have the same amount of respect for me and I would hope they'd have the same 
vice versa. So yeah, yeah it would it wouldn't change. Yeah, I think it's all as I mentioned earlier. It's all about educating the child instead of just like mm -hmm. if we talk about this, then this is going to happen. No, if you don't talk about it, it makes it even worse. I think education is of the utmost importance. Yeah, learn the body parts early. You would you yeah. wouldn't understand how important that is. Um, too many bad things happen to children because they don't know what, like the, you know, they don't understand what's yeah. wrong and what's right to happen yeah. to them. So I think just kids being understand about what their bodies are, what they do and why they're here. And then when it's appropriate, teaching them early on everything, <laughs> birds and the bees, all that kind of stuff. I just feel like we need to educate not teaching them doesn't do anything for anybody. I don't, I don't agree with that. Well, you know, I'm not sure if they stopped teaching it, but I do know some people that stopped being teachers because they couldn't take it because every time they would say something, somebody would go home and then the parent would complain and they would have to stop that, stop teaching it in the curriculum. And I don't think it's fair. And they said, I can't take all the political correctness. I have to do something else. I'm not, I don't want to be a teacher anymore. So I'm not sure. I mean, I know she's not old enough for school yet, but I wonder if they're even teaching what they can say in health class, like they used to be able to you know, show pictures of the body and say, this is this, this is this part, and this is what happens, yeah. instead of like, well, the stork drops the baby off. It's like, I'm 15 years old. I know that's not true. <laughs> yeah, I think whatever she ends up not learning, I'm going to be teaching her, so that way yeah. there's no... Uh... Yeah, I don't know what they teach now, but if they if there's certain things they're not teaching, I'm going to be teaching it to her. Yeah. So, yeah, she's not going to be like what when she's. <laughs> My mother always gets so mad because out of the three of us, she has no grandchildren. She wants one so bad. She was like, I can't believe oh. not even one mistake. And I said, That's what you get for teaching us safe sex, mom. It's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Because I can't remember That's how hilarious. old I was, but there was a time when she sat us down and get, like there was a book we had. It was it was funny. Like I, but it was good. We, I mean, there was like no, for me, I never ever felt uncomfortable. I never felt like oh my god, I can't believe you're saying this. I can't believe I'm talking to my mom about this or dad. It's like I don't. To me, it's just natural and it's normal. So yeah. I, I've always had that mentality even back then. Like all right, thank you. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I think if you do it the right way, she's going to take a lot from it and it'll be all the better for her. Yeah, exactly. One of the things you mentioned was FOMO, fear of missing out. Do you still have that? Um, I have a lot less of it, which is great. Um, I used to like, if there was something going on, I had to be there. I had, I had to be like the last one to leave or it's a, I felt like something was going to happen while I was gone. Um, I just like, yeah, I just like needed to be there. If like someone was having a birthday party and I couldn't go, I was so stressed on what I was going to miss. Or like if my friends were having a bonfire, or even like something so simple where nothing usually happened. Yeah. I was just like, I can't not go. Like I have to be there. And I would feel so sad that I couldn't go. If I, if I couldn't, I would just feel so sad. And um, I just have less of that because I just, I, I am so happy being home yeah. now. And I just, kind of realize what I'm missing out on usually isn't that exciting. I mean, obviously there's some nights where they're great, but yeah, it, it stretches it out a little bit too. Like, you know, groups of friends, like my friends and I are group, like we're together so much that I feel like it turns some nights boring because you're just always around and what else do we have to talk about? So yeah. it's nice when you get together a little bit more spread out and you have so much to say and there actually is a lot going on and it's super exciting. And you just realize like, oh, I should be home. Like I should be like 
actually getting stuff around the house done. So instead of putting it off and putting it off because I want to go to a party. So yeah, um, yeah, I have a lot less of that, which is which is really, really nice. I read an article not too long ago, and I want your opinion on this. The article was, can parents or people with children be friends with people who do not have children? Yes, yes, I 100% think they can. You and I are a perfect um, example right here. I mean, this is a perfect example. Exactly. I, I think it's sometimes good. And I want your opinion, but I'm going to give you my opinion afterwards. <laughs> okay. So personally, I think, yes, you totally can. I think the base priori- priorities of the people have to be somewhat similar. I think yeah. obviously you have to be kind of in the same, like, phase in your life obviously you can be friends with people who are doing completely different things but even right now like if I was to befriend someone who is still like college partying and do it I just wouldn't have anything to talk to them about yeah and I was even finding this years ago just being like engaged or married I I found it hard to be friends with people who are single because I'm like they just want to go out and meet people which I totally got but I'm like oh I don't want to go out to the bar like why can't we have a night in together like just like having a movie night or something like that. So I just think it, it, you can have friends with, you can be friends with anyone who's doing co- something completely different. Um, they just have to be kind of aligned with you. Like I have um, one of my best guy friends, he lives in New York City, you know, he's a big shot, he's single and just like having fun. But we, we align, whoa, we align in a lot of ways. So that way it's still, it's still great when we get together. It, it doesn't feel like I'm like hanging out with someone who's not with a baby, you know, but it just, it all just depends. Cause I have also had friendships where I'm like, we don't align. Like they're great. I really enjoy them, but they're maybe living a single life or they're just a little bit too immature for me to where it just doesn't match up. And like, they also, if, if someone like for me, if I was to be friends with someone who didn't have children, they'd have to be understanding of why I couldn't hang out as much as maybe they wanted me to, or why I'm not answering a text message right away as to where they might. So it just, yeah, we just have to be on the same plane. It doesn't matter if you don't have kids or not. You just have to get along and be understanding. Yeah. Well, no, the re- what I was going to say was, I mean, obviously, the older you get, more of the people you hang out with or, or knew from the past or had their own children now, or even like girlfriends have had, they usually had their, ki- their kids. Most of them are grown by now. But I always had a great time. I'd go out with, say, the mother and the child. I'm just using, I'll use my friend Jen and Jillian as an example, but then I have other people that go out there and just have a great time, have fun, and just say, okay, you know, like I, I can have fun. You know, doing going to a concert would just say my friend, but then another day, hey, let's go to the Goshen Fair and hang out with the child. And so, I mean, I have that mentality where I really have fun wherever I am. So I don't need to just because I'm just because I don't have a child doesn't mean like, well, I can't relate to that. I can't relate mm-hmm. to being a parent. And I mean, I, I mean, I can relate to it. I've never done it, but I know it goes in. But I can say, yeah, come on, let's let's all three go out and let's have some fun. And then yeah, the next time we'll just hang out by ourselves. And so yeah, I, I think that. I said you and I are a perfect example. We're friends. I don't have a kid. You do. You, we still have plenty to talk about. There's never mm-hmm. another like, oh, Rich, what's going on? Oh, okay. You know, there's never a boring yeah. moment. So it's just it's, I think you, like you said, it's all with what's going on in their life. Sometimes you outgrow people. Sometimes they're stuck in where they were in twelfth you know, grade and they never matured. Other people are like, all right, you know. I'm, I'm living my life. Um, you're living your life. Let's just go and hang out and have some fun. Yeah. And I will say, I feel like a lot of the times with parents, 
from my point of view, I think it's usually the people who don't have kids that don't want to be friends with the parents anymore because they're the ones who are like, ugh, they're all they want to do is like boring kid stuff. Yeah. Which like, yeah, it is a lot like, yeah, we do have to find a sitter or our kids have to come or yeah, we're not going out to crazy clubs anymore because we can't be hung over tomorrow. Yeah. So I just think if, if people really want to keep friendships, especially if they're longer, like you said, you just have to put in a little bit more work and just be understanding. But yeah. Well, here's another thing I noticed and I know you noticed too, because you mentioned your podcast. When somebody comes up to you after you had a kid and they act like the only person in the room is the baby. Oh my God, look at how cute. I'm I'm right here. Do you get a lot of that? Or did you get a lot more of it, especially after you first had Z, I'm guessing? Yeah, I definitely got a lot of that. And then I also realized that I do it too. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I do it as well. Now that I am a mom, I'm so drawn to babies and I just think they're so cute. But I do try to always say like, oh, like, hi, they're so cute. I try to acknowledge the the mother too. Yeah. Um, so it does suck when it happens. And I think I think a lot of people just don't even realize they're doing it because they're just distracted by a cute kid. But <laughs> you definitely get it. And it's like, okay, I guess I'm just the mom, which can be good and be, be bad. Like if you're in a situation where you don't really want to be there, it's great. You're like, oh my God, everyone's paying attention to the kid. No one's talking to me. This is great. I don't even like these people. But if you're in a situation where you actually like them, it does stink if they only want to pay attention to the baby. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that's... You got this down to a science. <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh, I'm bringing the baby to that one. I don't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> here's for me. Here's a pet peeve. When I see, I see sometimes parents and they're already planning the kid's life and the kid is still in diapers. Oh, she's, he or she's going to be doing this, this, and this. I'm like, let a child be a child. Don't like, don't already be planning. Like by the time he's in first grade, he's going to be doing this. By the time he's in third grade, he'll be doing this. Let him ha- at least let him have some fun in between you getting him ready for Harvard. <laughs> I, I yeah. see a lot of that too. Mm-hmm. Even like Matt and I both have really big passions that took up a lot of our life. Mine was dancing, his was skateboarding. So I feel like a lot of people are just expecting our kid to do those things. And while I really would be so excited if she wanted to dance, if she wanted to skateboard, that'd be so cool. And we already both know about it and we would have a great end to great schools and blah, blah, blah. I've also already decided if she doesn't want to do that, I'm not going to force her. She can do whatever she wants. I want her to try everything so she finds out what she likes. And yeah, thinking too far ahead. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, imagine her wedding day. That's going to be so fun. But I'm not actually sitting here planning it. I'm like, oh, she also might never get married. Who knows? But like, you're already planning her having a grandchild. So you you have a grandchild. (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly yeah see little things like that where you just kind of imagine it's yeah. the same that you would do for yourself like how little girls maybe imagine like the way their wedding day would go you kind of think about oh, like, imagine if she got wet- married one day but it's important to not actually force those things like you said have fun and just let them yes yeah, don't them don't go too far in advance yeah and it goes so quick that if you force like you think too much ahead then you miss what's in front so Exactly. And why I bring that example up, there was a girl I was going out with at one time and I went to, I think it was either Easter or Thanksgiving and I'm listening to her family members talk like that. 
And I was thinking to myself, like the poor child, she's only four years old right now and she's already got her whole life planned out. And like you said, maybe she's not gonna wanna do this. Maybe she's not gonna like this. Just because it's your passion, it's not gonna make it her passion. She might have something completely different and you have to let her explore and try different things. Because if you just force her into one thing, then she's going to start resenting you. It's like, oh, I guess I got to do dance to make mom happy because that's what mom loves. Mm -hmm. like, no, do what you love because you're your own person. Mm -hmm, exactly. I, I like that. All right. Yeah. So this, this was a fun part of one of your podcasts. <laughs> Give me some oh, examples no. of how motherhood has changed you. Oh, gosh. Um, there's a, I don't even remember what I said in my episode now, of course. I, I, but, can, I, I came here to refresh your memories. I have some cliff notes. Okay. I'll give you one example. The broken cap on a coffee creamer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So, yeah. So, now, I'm also further into it. So. Oh, that was the first episode. That's, so. what, that's also what's cool about motherhood or just any life in general. Yeah. You think that you've got it all figured out and then maybe a couple months later you're like, mm, maybe I don't. I've definitely, yeah, there's one day where I spilt some coffee creamer all over because I shook it, the cap wasn't on, and before a baby, I would have freaked out, but I also, and like, maybe I'm just also just changing as a person, and I'm, I'm better at going, okay, it's a bad moment, not a bad life, I think I'm just learning that in general, I definitely still am having my days where I spill the coffee creamer and it's still the end of the world. I'm still having those days. I'm yeah. still having that. It was supposed to be sunny today and it's rainy and the whole day's stupid. I'm still having those days, but I've had a lot more where I'm able to just go, I'm with Zia today. It's going to be a good day. There's no point on letting something silly or stupid ruin it. Um, or even if I'm not with her, just being like, okay, this is my day away. I should be enjoying it, not having being in a bad mood. I need to just enjoy this day. Yeah. So just, I think in general, just realizing there's bad moments. It doesn't make your whole life bad as long as you're, and also it's okay to have a bad day too. Maybe that day just freaking sucks. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's go to engagement number three now. <laughs> this is for me. <laughs> All right. So my brother's wife, this was March of 2020. She was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So she just died in July. So throughout the month, she was so sickly going through it. She never complained once. And so my current fiance would complain about something so stupid. Like, I can't believe this. It's like, I would start laughing. She goes, you always laugh. I said, if this is the worst thing that happens to you, I bet you, my brother's wife was named Lean. I said, I bet you Lean wishes she had these kind of problems. I said, and then she goes, you don't understand. I said, I do understand. If you you have to step back. I mean, luckily, this is maybe why people that know me, I'm never really in a bad mood because I'm able to do it. So I look, I step out, look, and like, you know what? My life is pretty damn good. I look at people like her who are going through this, people that are homeless, people that have no money at all. And I was like, my life, if this is the worst thing that happens today, I'm having a pretty good life. So mm -hmm. I like the fact that Zia brought that to your attention because, yeah, for the most part, thing, little things like that really, I mean, they piss you off in the moment. But for the most part, like if that's the worst thing that happens, well, you know, it's a good day. Exactly. And also one thing I will say, which I wouldn't necessarily do this. I might not be like, oh, you're having a bad day, sweetie. Well, someone's having it worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I personally, like, because I think something that drives me crazy is when people try to be like, oh, well, like if you're saying something bad that happened to you and someone's like, well, I've had something way worse happen to me. So it's like, I. Uh, 
I feel like everyone's worst problem is their worst problem. It's okay if someone has it worse, but no. as long as you're able to eventually push through it, but <laughs> I no. might not say to Matt, you know, you're starving children somewhere. Why are you hungry? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm, all right. I do understand what you're saying. It's no, not, I know what you're talking about. It's not a competition, <laughs> but when, when, when you go somewhere and they're out of a drink at a bar that she wanted and... Um, that's where I bring up examples like that to say, you yeah, know, like, oh my god, you're really gonna be a, like upset all night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm just well, another. I want. I want to talk about the third uh, episode. It was the pregnancy and birth expectations. So okay. let's talk with pregnancy first. What were some of the expectations you had, and what was the reality? We'll start with morning sickness. Yeah. With morning sickness, I had expected it to be something that like just happened every morning for a long time. And for me, it just wasn't the way that it plays out in the movies. It just felt like in movies and shows, like the pregnant woman is always just throwing up everywhere. And like, or it's always in the morning. She's like, oh my God, like I'll be right back. And then she throws up and then, yeah, it just, I felt like it just seemed like it was a lot more constant, which for some people it is. And I also realized that there's some like disorder when you're pregnant that actually makes you throw up all the time and you usually have to get medicine for it. But for me, it just like, I think I have maybe a week or two where it hit me really hard and it would hit me in the afternoon, not the morning, which is unexpected. And it would be like, after I had a huge, like, I would have a craving like, oh, eat three donuts. So I'd eat three donuts, be super happy. And then like 30 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I don't. Like I feel too good. So um yeah, it was just it was just different than what I thought it was gonna be with the morning sickness, I guess. Did you experience it a lot in the beginning? Not it wasn't in the beginning, beginning. It was like after it was after I'd already announced it. So I think it was it was a decent amount into it. And yeah, just like all of a sudden a few weeks of throwing up in the afternoon and then after that it was gone again. So it was, yeah, it was, I didn't have it too bad, but it was weird the way it happened. I thought it would be different. Right. The second one for uh, pregnancy expectations was cravings. And I have to say, listening to your podcast, I don't know why I was so hungry after listening to you talk. I had like a pickle dipped in peanut butter with a side of cake. (laughs) Am I the only one that's hungry listening to this podcast? Yeah. Well, yeah, like some people explained it and it just seems like, oh my God, I had to have this right then. I made my husband go get it for me right then. And while I definitely had some cravings, it was like if I, like there was this one restaurant where it was an hour away from me. So I definitely felt like I wanted it more than I usually did. Yeah. But I was like, well, I'm not about to make Matt drive an hour to get me mac and cheese from Chick-fil-A. So I think I'll make it through. Like, I'll be okay. But in so reality, just... he should know that he's going <laughs> to drive an hour. No, he'd be like, you want me to? I'm like, no, no, absolutely not. That's ridiculous. Like, But um, yeah, I just, and the way some people eat the weirdest things, or I don't, then again, I've never actually met a person who actually ate these things. So I don't know yeah. if it just, it's like that game telephone where someone's like, I like yeah. pickles on the side of my burger. And the next person's like, I like pickles dipped in peanut butter. Like, I don't yeah. know if it actually, I don't know. I've never actually met someone who liked this weird stuff, but maybe, maybe they do. But I, that I was expecting weird things. Like I just expected to like these weird combinations and I didn't, which was kind of sad because I wanted to eat weird stuff. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, it's funny because it, as you said, it's the one time where you could eat whatever you want and not care if you gain weight. And it was mm -hmm. sort of like when um, I lost 60 pounds. So when I was at my heaviest, who gives a shit? I'm like, where am I going to get a little fat? So I'd be like, yeah, yeah. some of this. Let me have some more wings. Let me have some more beer. Come on. Now, now I look at it after I lost a lot of weight, like I want that so badly, but nope, can't do it. And so yeah. Once in a while, I've achieved, but so it, it was actually fun being fat. <laughs> You can do anything you want. So I understand, like I said, I had a lot of uh, pregnancy feelings without being pregnant. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the not caring, the not the cravings. The... <laughs> Didn't have morning sickness though. I will say that. Yeah, that's Never good. That's good. That. <laughs> yeah, honestly, if anything, I feel like I have more cravings now. I feel like I had given and I'm like, oh, I really need that. So, but yeah, I don't know. Didn't crave any weird pickles or. <laughs> I think that's more of a more of a movie comedy thing we're like oh my god the woman's pregnant look at she's eating all this and you see her going through the all you can eat buffet and she devours everything i think they're just trying mm -hmm. to like you said like you said sort of like telephone game where they see it and they're making fun of it but in reality it's for most people it's not that bad yeah and then like like at the end when you get really big at least for me there was no room for a lot of food all of a sudden like <laughs> your stomach is actually have has moved up and it's being pushed by the baby so i'm like I would, I would like barely be able to eat. Like I, I was like, yeah. oh, I can't wait to devour. And I'm like, oh, this kind of sucks. I can't even fill my stomach. I get heartburn. So, um, yeah, it just, yeah, it's definitely different. It might, it's probably just like a comedy thing. Yeah. And that's another pregnancy thing I had was severe heartburn when I gained weight. I lost a lot of weight. I haven't had heartburn in years, but I was on Prilosec from 2008 till maybe six months ago. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. They said I've that, never had heartburn in that. Oh, uh, that's awful. Oh my gosh. There were times I'd wake up three o'clock in the morning. So I couldn't lay down. I had to sit up like this because every time I laid yeah. down, it would go back up. So I would have to I left the antacid in the car because I would have it in the car because that's where I would be the most if I needed it, needed it at work or something. And so I said, I need to go out into the car. I need to get some. So finally, I had like one for the bedroom, one for the kitchen, one for so just so I would never run out. But that, that is a people who don't never experience serious heartburn. Oh, it's horrible. Like it, it yeah. burns and oh. oh, it's awful. Yeah. I had never until pregnancy and that's gross. Now I understand why people are like, this is awful. I'd be like, oh, you're fine. No, it's not. It's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Next one on the list was for um, the pregnancy expectation. People were saying, oh my God, you're pregnant during the summer. This is going to be the worst. You're going to be so hot. Yeah. I love you. I love your, your um, reply. Yeah. I just, yeah. People are just so annoying about it. <laughs> a, lo a lot of people love to be negative while you're going yeah. through really great times in your life. But I just, I was someone who always loved the summer. So even when people, people complain when they're not pregnant, it's too hot. Yeah. And I, I just always really enjoyed the summer. So I knew it wouldn't be that bad. And yeah, there were times where it was hot, but I think it would have been hot, not pregnant. And I think, I still enjoyed doing everything I usually did. And I was just like, yeah, it's not that bad. Like I like this before I'm going to like it now and I'm going to like it after. And I don't know. You're just being annoying and negative. <laughs> I always say the only people that complain that it's too hot are the same people in the winter that complain it's too cold. They're never happy. I will take mm -hmm. 95 degrees, hazy, hot, and humid every single day of the year. I love the heat. I don't care about the sweat. I don't care about mm -hmm. the humidity and I hate the cold with a passion. So yeah, I yeah. agree with you. Who cares? Yeah. Bring on the heat. I, mm -hmm. 
I mean, I don't even like air conditioning. I think air conditioning is way too cold. I just, I just oh, like a fan yeah. on me. I don't care. Yeah, you and I are this very similar on that on yes. that point. Yeah. Yep. I will say, after I had like with the baby, you do have to worry about like her getting or the he or she getting too hot or cold. Yeah, and yeah. so I feel like yeah, it is nicer when it's not ninety hot five for them. But for me, I'm still like, woohoo, this is great. I'll just plop the baby in an inflatable pool and I'll suntan. Like this is great. <laughs> I'm gonna put you in the freezer for a little while. Mommy will be right back. <laughs> I hope you're comfortable in here because mommy's going to be outside suntanning. Oh my gosh. Next up was the glucose test. What was that all about? Oh yeah. So you drink this like sugar water, I think it basically is. And it just determines if you get the diabetes that only happens during pregnancy. And everyone just like warns you like, it's going to be awful. It's so bad. And so I was just kind of really dreading it the whole time during pregnancy. And then when it came, it wasn't that bad. It was like drinking flat, warm orange soda. So yeah, it wasn't the best beverage I've ever drank in my life. I wasn't like, give me more. I would love some. <laughs> give me a six and, pack right now. Come on. <laughs> yeah. But it really Party. wasn't that bad. <laughs> and then luckily, of course, I bet it I bet it would have been as bad if I had the diabetes, but luckily I didn't. So for me, it was one of those things that you are like dreading, 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 and it ends up not being that bad. Uh, so yeah, I was I was glad that that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to so be. It is a test for diabetes then, right? Yeah. yeah. The reason I'm asking that is I think I had that. The, I didn't have diabetes, but I had a test for it. And I, when you were mentioning that, I said, that sounds so familiar. So I'm, oh, really? this was years ago. I think in my 20s, I had a glucose test. I said, that, why does that sound so familiar? It tastes like, I don't know if you remember Tang. But Tang was this orange, you have to look it up. <laughs> look up the 1970s in me. <laughs> You'll see the Tang. Okay. It was this orange drink that was disgusting. But when Ooh. it was warm, it was even more disgusting. That's exactly what you described. But yeah, I, re I do remember that. Yeah. So, okay. Well, that's that's cool to know. I didn't know that it was just like in general for diabetes. But yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, not cool, but. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was the best time of my life. Yeah. Just, just me and my glucose drink. <laughs> the good old days. That was the envy of all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about this? Is uh, we're getting into the birth. Those were the pregnancy pregnancy expectations, and I think what's scary, and you mentioned this too, was the unknown is way scarier than the known. So that's why I love mm -hmm. the fact that you were trying to educate yourself. You're talking to people and you even said, just give me all the answers. I don't want to go in there not knowing because you're thinking it's going to be so much worse than it really is. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Personally, as a mom now, if someone really wants to know the truth, someone's like, no, really just tell me like how it really is. I'm going to tell them. I don't want to go spreading like scary information to every yeah. pregnant person or new mom. But I think if people are just like, oh, yeah, that was really bad for me personally, or that was easy for me, but I don't, I've heard a lot of people didn't have a good time. Or I just, I just feel like there's certain, you know, exams that are not that bad for some people, but are really bad for others. And um, just like, knowing that some people have really rough pregnancies I'm like oh my gosh that's that's wild I wish people would actually tell that story because then it might make more people feel a little bit less alone if they're going through something similar so yeah just 
there's so many things that I didn't hear about until I went through it and you get warned about certain things. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why has no one ever told me this? (laughs) Like my friend got arthritis in both of her wrists just while she was pregnant and she had to wear wrist guards while she was sleeping. She she developed arthritis from being pregnant? Yep. And then it went away. And then you can get like, you can get Bell's palsy. So like you could literally get the so there's been moms who like their whole face just gets yeah. paralyzed and as soon as they have the baby literally like that it goes away oh i luckily so i got i got the good palsy thing. yeah i got the good palsy <laughs> 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 i have for people who don't know i have cerebral palsy so <laughs> so thank god because I, I mean I, it was funny I've, I've had friends that have had that and one day they'll just wake up and their whole face is down here what the hell happened? That, yeah, that's scary. That's so scary. Yeah. I think so, lot, yeah. I mean, like, what was that? What? No, I was going to say for, for my friends, I think a lot of it had to do with stress. I'm not sure what maybe pregnancy oh. does have a little bit to do with that too. That's what the doctors were telling them. Yeah. Stress can bring on Bell's poly. That is one scary. And then one day, like you said, all right, I'm back to normal. Yeah. I feel like it might have to do with hormones too. That's what yeah. I'm thinking during pregnancy. But yeah, just the weirdest things can happen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no thanks. Well, I've had, I've had other friends that were pregnant told me that they had they yeah. welcome they were welcome into the lovely world of hemorrhoids. I know that's a thing. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that for me, I didn't have that until like way after I had the baby, and all of a sudden I was like, whoa, it's like this is not a good time. I was waiting. I remember I was waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it. It just didn't happen, and then. Everything for me that was supposed to happen during pregnancy hit later. So I'm very, just so happy that that happened to me. You are definitely a conundrum. I, there's yeah. the things that happen to you usually don't happen to people in your age. And it doesn't happen to like people more in my age group. It's funny. Like some of, <laughs> some of your health, health issues. I'm like, how old are you? 25? Oh, really? So it's funny. And and then my like, body is 85. <laughs> And then even with the pregnancy, oh, good, I passed that. Woof. Next thing you know, it hits you two months later. Yeah, it's like, oh, like once once you're done, like your your uh, blood pressure will go down. Nope, you thought. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the wonderful world of lisinopril. Yeah. <laughs> I love that stuff. <laughs> All right. So when, when it came to the birth, this is even more fun for you because one of the things, the expectations was, I'm going to go all natural. This is going to be the best feeling ever. How long did that last? Oh my God, lasted like literally, I remember I said, I want, I want to eat lunch. And my nurse was like, if you eat lunch, like you can't eat that. You can't get the epidural. Like you can't eat while you, and I was like, well, I'm not getting the epidural. So get me lunch. And I ordered the lunch. I got about one bite into my mac and cheese. And she was like, so how are you about, how are you feeling about that epidural? And I said, yeah, give it to me now. I don't want this mac and cheese. <laughs> I, want, I, want the, I want the pain meds. I thought it was going to last so much longer. And it just, the pain really is like nothing other. I can't I thought, imagine. Like, people say it's like, oh, it's like a period cramp. And like, I've always had really bad cramps. So I'm like, oh, it's going to be like my really bad ones. No, it's even, it's, it's just worse. And I, because I went in to get induced, like they just are like, oh, you could be doing this for 48 hours. The thought of being in pain for 48 hours and then still having to push. I was like, no, no, give me that shot. I want to feel nothing anymore. This is awful. <laughs> and also it's a myth that you feel nothing. Well, 
maybe for some people it's not, but I still felt birth. Like, it's not like you don't feel it at all. Was it painful? So. Did you feel, I mean, was it painful or was it more like pressure? It was like a lot of pressure. It was a little bit painful, but okay. the cramps or the, the contractions were worse than what I felt during birth part. So that's what I was surprised about listening to your podcast. You said that was the most painful part of the pregnancy or the birth yeah. was the contractions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. For labor and birth, the worst part was contractions. And honestly, the stitches after I gave birth her, like I actually was like, ow. So they had to numb me. They had to numb me back up because I was getting a little sassy. I was like, that hurts. I've never so, seen that side of you. That's so surprising. <laughs> that really takes me by surprise. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So those were the for me the more the most painful. But also feel like you also have the most adrenaline when you're giving birth. So I'm sure that has a lot to do with it too. Just well, adrenaline. I like, I like what you said. Like, there's no way I'm going to be doing this for 48 hours. You were trying to push as hard as you could right away. I'm going to get this out of here in record time. Yeah. I'll and be home for mac and cheese an in about 45 minutes, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it still took me an hour of pushing. So I can't imagine if it lasted any longer. I would have been so upset. I'm like this. And they probably say this to every other person, but they kept telling me I was really good at pushing. Like I was doing great. So they're like, they're like, oh, you should teach a class on pushing. So, (laughs) but I'm like, they probably just went to that room and said the same thing. But in my mind, I was like, I think I'm really good at pushing. (laughs) There was probably somebody in the back going, this is the same girl who's having the heart attack. Oh, (laughs) go ahead. This this is the crazy lady I was telling you about. Tell her she's a good pusher. Just calm her down. Say whatever. Oh well, the funny thing, and I, I've never seen what an epidural looks like, but I can only imagine it was the fear of how big that thing was. When did you, yeah. when you thought, did you say, get that thing away from me? I didn't even like, even they don't show it to you. Oh, they don't. Okay. Or at least I didn't see it. No. So everyone told me it's a needle about that, that big. So yeah. I'm assuming it was that big, but thankfully I didn't see it. Didn't look at it. Yeah. Just went. Cause then you have to like, you cannot move. So while you're having traction, it's really hard to stay still because you're in so much pain. Yeah. So I just kind of like went into this mode. And also a lot of the times they have the, the dads step out of the room because of how scary it looks. And a lot of dads pass out when the woman gets a epidural, but um, I don't think Matt looked cause he doesn't <laughs> like needles. So we both were like, just do it. <laughs> you, you're having you're having contractions. You're trying to push Z out. Matt's passed out on the floor. All right, we got. I'd be, I'd be so annoyed. Like, get it together. Like, there's still no. I I do not know how women deal with a man that passes out. That's no. funny. <laughs> like you're passed out right now. <laughs> you call yourself a man. Yeah, absolutely not. No, get up. That's funny. What, what, what I found funny about this, and I want your uh, reaction, was that you sort of, memory has a good way of blocking out the pain. So what you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. And what did Matt say to you? He's like, no, it was that bad. Like you were, you were screaming, you were not having a fun time. Like that was, that you were not okay. So, um, when people say you get like blackout from the adrenaline and the yay baby, um, it's true. And just listen to your husband when he says you don't want another baby because you were in pain. <laughs> so <laughs> I even had a neighbor who said like, 
After her second kid, she told her husband, I am never having another baby. That was awful. Make sure I remember how bad this was. And I guess like a little, like a, a year later, she went to him saying, we should have a third. And he was like, no, you're, we're, no, it's a no because of how bad it was for you. You, you told me I had to tell you. Absolutely not. So I just think that's funny because guys don't have the body happening yeah. so they can actually think clearly <laughs> well when you woke up yeah where's the surgeon well he's still in icu after you clawed his eyeballs out <laughs> oh my gosh you know what i'm surprised about because i thought there was a reason that they wouldn't let the men in the in the operating room when you're having the baby because it was more of a litigious thing so matt could be in there watching you have the baby yeah and it that might be for when they're having a C-section. I don't know. Okay. I'm not 100% sure. But, yeah, he was allowed in the room. They let him watch. The only thing he didn't – they didn't even ask him if he wanted to, like – like, we were going to ask if he could, like, catch the baby when they came out and <laughs> oh, cut yeah. the cord. Yeah. Going across the <laughs> but, room. Come on. Shoot it. Shoot it. Shoot it. <laughs> but I remember it all happened so fast and, like, like – um Zia's heart rate was going down and she had her cord wrapped around so I think it just happened too fast where they just kind of were like let's they didn't ask like do you want to catch this baby it was more like let's get this baby out and make sure they're okay <laughs> well there was, I know you just said there was, the cord was wrapped around her neck so did she have yeah. any issues with breathing um like she didn't come out crying and it took a little bit to get her to cry it wasn't like so like I didn't feel like they were like having a ton of trouble but it definitely wasn't as quick i feel like as it was supposed to yeah. happen with her breathing but once they unwrapped it i think she was fine after they like you know i i don't even know i was like not even sure where i was so i'm not 100 percent sure but it eventually she cried and it was okay oh no the reason i asked is because i was premature but also they said i i developed cerebral palsy because of lack of oxygen so i'm glad that she oh. came out all right Wow. Because you were saying yeah. in there that they had to turn her around, I think. Yeah, because she was, she was like sunny side up and babies are supposed to come out face down. So they wanted to try to get her to go out the right way, I guess. And I think they were hoping that when they turned her, the cord would come unwrapped, but it just yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. Well, I'm glad she turned out all right. Yeah, me too. I'd be real upset if all that was for nothing. No. <laughs> just like, kidding. Can we just try this again next year? Can you leave this one here? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very, very, very thankful that she was healthy and it all worked out because that was a scary experience for sure. Yeah. All right. So the other thing, which <laughs> I'll tell you my experience with this, was the decapitor. <laughs> my... <laughs> <laughs> that was I had no idea no one told me and I'm like there's there's no that's the wrong hole nothing goes in there that's what do you mean and thankfully when I got it I got it on the epidural to start with and that was fine because I didn't feel it and when they took it out didn't feel it but when I went back for uh preeclampsia they're like yeah we have to put it in you now and I Oh my God. It was the worst, worst feeling. I don't like it. I hate it. It made me feel like I couldn't move to having that in you. Cause then you're like, what if I rip it out? Uh, uh. Yeah. Absolutely. Disgusting. I hated it. Years ago. I was probably about 30 years old. I thought maybe that I had, um, prostate cancer. 
so because there was a, a urinary issue and the doctor said no you're, you're fine because i can give i can um administer a decapiter and we can find out maybe it was weak bladder muscle said you know what i'm fine as long as i don't have prostate cancer i'm happy to go I said, <laughs> exactly the same thing you said i said there's no way something's going up there i said no absolutely not. i can't oh. yeah and if they do it wrong they could really like hurt uh, yeah, ew. <laughs> Every no. person watching this right now just cringe. Like, yeah, oh. they're like, I gotta turn off. Trigger warning. This is disgusting. <laughs> so I never, luckily, I never had one, but I came this <laughs> close to have one. They were ready. I canceled the appointment. I said, Yeah, I'm good. I just <laughs> yeah, no I no do it. Uh, yeah. Don't recommend. It's <laughs> you, well. You said that you had to go after again. Like you had one during the epidural, but then you had to go back. Mm -hmm. which caused a little panic attack in you. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I went back, I figured something was going to have to happen, but I didn't know what, but yeah. when they told me like I had to go on something called magnesium drip. So just going like literally being flushed through me for 24 hours straight, I couldn't move from the bed. Like that was just like what you had to do. And I remember I was like, all I said was, wait, so you're telling me I have to get a catheter again. And they're like, uh-huh. And I just started bawling. They're wheeling me through the hallways in my wheelchair. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, and it was all just because I didn't want the catheter. I was like panicking. You know, I, I think it's similar to a dentist where they you hear the drilling and it doesn't really hurt. But just because you hear them drilling into your tooth, you think like, oh, my God, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And then you realize, oh, this actually doesn't feel that bad. Was it a similar experience when you had it without the epidural or did it really hurt? Yeah, it was a similar experience. Like, it wasn't as bad as my brain was letting me yeah. think. And then when they went to go take it out, I thought that was going to be worse than me having it put in. Oof. And luckily, she said, oh, it fell. It, like, fell out when she went. Like, so I was like, oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. Like, yes, I'm so glad that it fell out. <laughs> I'm glad she didn't say, we lost it. We don't know where it is. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you would be sitting there right now. It's like, is it? Where is it? Where is it? So I'm, oh I'm glad God. they found it on the floor somewhere. <laughs> oh my God, me too. <laughs> the, well, it's similar to when, uh, again, I was about 30 years old. I had to go for a colonoscopy and they showed me what they were going to, I was half out of it. They put, you know, they had the IV in me and mm -hmm. they said, oh, we're going to stick this. Like, what the hell is that? But I had, all I did was feel a little discomfort. <laughs> and it was funny because I was, I was so out of it. I was watching, it was similar to this. I was watching and I could see my, colon i said i always wanted to be on tv and that's the last thing i remember and they're like okay you're done <laughs> i it was so like it was the expectation i had for it was so much worse than the reality of it it's just because i yeah. saw that thing like where is that going <laughs> and they're like yeah we're done that, that was it so yeah well i'm glad you survived the epidural i'm glad you survived the catheter and this i want to talk about because the next thing for birth expectations was advocating for yourself and i find mm -hmm. this very important i want to talk about what you went through and i'm going to talk about how it pertains to me as well okay yeah so um like originally i had one doctor during my pregnancy and i just didn't feel like they were going to be a right fit for me so i instantly was like i need to change doctors and i was so glad that i did because i don't think i would have had the experience that i did if i hadn't so I'm so glad that I did that for myself. And then just like in the hospital, just saying, yes, I want this. No, I don't want that. Um, there were some things that I was vocal about, but there was a couple things where 
it just feels like the doctors know more so I should be listening to them and I think more women just need to be just know that you are smart enough to know what's happening in your body obviously if it's a life or death situation you have to listen to what they're saying but if it's just little things like certain exams or certain checks or you know getting an epidural epidural for instance like you can say no and you could be really firm on that and I just I did okay but I think if for some reason I was to ever go again I would be a little bit more like this is what I want to happen this is how I want my birth to go unless it's a really bad situation that's how I want it to go so I think more women need to just be firm on that and there's things called like doulas and um that you can hire that will be your advocate for you, but also know that your nurses are supposed to be your advocates too. So just express what you want to your nurses. So that way they can be the ones to tell the doctor, no, she doesn't want that. If you, for some reason you're out of it or scared or nervous, it's, a, it's better to have people in your corner if you need them. Yeah. Well, I agree with you a thousand percent. And I am the way I am because my mother advocated for herself I was mm. born, as I mentioned earlier, the last rights three times I said I would never walk, never talk. And one doctor actually said, well, he's going to be crippled for life, but at least he can play golf in his wheelchair. Thank God my mother at 19 years old, I even asked her, I said, how did you get the insight to say, I want a second, I want a third, I want a fourth opinion. She was, well, I had a lot of help around me. She said, I'm taking him to another doctor who said, no, we can, they tore apart my tendon because I used to walk on my toes to have to wear it. I was basically the original Forrest Gump <laughs> when I was like, <laughs> years old, I used to wear a brace. And my mother, thank God, she took me to this, his name is Dr. Hogan. He saved me, tore my tendon apart. And then I, they killed the nerves in my foot, but I could care less. I can't really bend it, but at least I can walk. And I walk with a limp and I can care less about that compared to yeah. being in a wheelchair, which they were the first doctor was just going to give up on me and say, yeah, well, there's nothing more we could do. So mm -hmm. I, when I heard that, that really resonated with me because thank God my mother and I think more people should advocate for themselves because you mentioned it, and I think it's even more true now. The doctors are being overly cautious, and I think it's because it's such a litigious society, and everybody's ready to sue. So if they say something and something goes wrong, the first thing you're going to do is like, it's the doctor's fault. We got to sue the doctor for everything they did. I was talking to a doctor, and he said that the first couple of years, they don't even make any more any money because the male practice insurance is so expensive. So I think that it is good that you, again, you, you you had all these insights right away. Like next time I'm going to advocate for myself. I'm going to speak up more. I'm going to say, this is what I want. I know what you're doing. I know you think it's the best for me, but I know it's the best for me and mm -hmm. go from there. So I'm glad that you did see that. Yeah. You're so inspirational, Rich. I know. <laughs> and, and yay, Mama Rich for, for sticking up for him. <laughs> if anybody's interested, you can watch my uh, motivational talks, go to my YouTube page or go to my Facebook, Rich Sayre, C-Y-R. These are for all the Mama and More fans that don't know me yet. <laughs> well, speaking of Mama and More, I said, and I, I said this many times throughout the interview, and I, I um, think that everybody should take my word on it and listen to it, subscribe to it. Even if you don't want to be a parent, even if you've been a parent, your kids are already grown up. It's a great show. It's 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 actually inspirational. It's helpful for new parents, but it's also relatable to people that are going through who have, have gone through. It's entertaining because you you bring up a lot of heavy subjects, but you do it in such a relatable and funny way. Thank you. So it's called Mama yeah. and More. It's on Spotify.
And at the end of your podcast, you always have a mama moment. What's that? Mm -hmm. So it's just, I wanted to be able to relate to the listeners and have them actually interact with me and feel like they're part of the episode. So I just ask on my social medias, like, hey, this is the topic I'm touching on. What is your experience with it? Um, they can say something good or bad. Um, I tell anyone if they want to be anonymous to um, if they can leave their name or they don't have to just so that way I can share real people. So it's so yeah, I talk a lot about, about just my experience or what I've heard. But I think it's really nice for people to actually hear other real people talk about certain things. And maybe they have a completely different viewpoint than I do, too, which is really helpful. And it just it just gets people involved. So like if I'm talking about pregnancy expectations, they can talk about theirs. And maybe someone who's listening relates to theirs more than mine. Maybe they like listening to mine, but they like hearing someone. They're like, oh, that's me, too. You know, I just think it's nice to hear people actually talk about things that you went through or can relate to. So and it's fun to listen to my like actually put faces and stories to the people who are listening versus just like because it does get a little bit funny. You're like, oh, I'm just talking to this camera. Maybe people are listening. So it's nice to know that people are listening and they actually have something to say to you. Well, it's funny with that. Years ago, I was in radio and I was a small AM station. I wasn't sure if anybody was listening to me. So I said, you know what? We're going to have a contest. I'm going to give away this Beatles CD, which I didn't even have one. I said, I'm going to give this Beatles CD away if you want it. So I was leaving the station. Somebody actually stopped there. Yeah, I'm the one that called. I won. I said, oh, like grabbed. Them. I used to bring my own CDs for the station. And I said, all right, well, here, here, congratulations. I would do that just to see if people were listening. So I definitely know that feeling. You're just talking into a microphone, looking at the screen. Like, like, mm -hmm. but I think this is the best time to be a parent in a way because with social media, which I, there's so many things we could talk about. That'd be another whole episode of why I hate social media and what it does and how people have these algorithms just feed everything to what they want to hear. And a lot mm -hmm. of it's not even true, but with this, I think it's a good thing because you can talk to people that went through this and then they can tell you what to expect and what happened to them. And it makes it definitely, it probably kills the anxiety just a little bit for you. Yeah. I like there's there's a just talking about social media real quick for me as a parent I actually found a lot of really great things through social media I've like taken a lot of my negative thoughts about it away because I've talked to a lot of moms throughout people the reason I a big reason why I wanted to start the podcast where so many people messaged me when I was talking about real things that happened to me and I was super honest about postpartum and not doing well and I had so many people message me saying, I love that you're actually showing the real side of this. I love that you're talking about it and being honest. And I, I think it hit me. I was like, oh, yeah, because all I see is usually people being like, my little pumpkin's two months and I'm having the best time. And <laughs> you don't hear someone say, oh, I also kind of want to die today. You know, so it's like, <laughs> I think that's what's really, it just, I, it, it it made me feel good to actually connect with so many people. And I don't think I would have had that with social media. And I think I would have had maybe even a harder time throughout through it all if other people weren't like, hey, I went through that too. Or, or even just just people just saying thank you for sharing what you're going through made me feel a little bit better. And like, no, like, okay, at least I'm not oversharing for no reason. <laughs> yeah. No, because just like me, where you can find me on my Rich Sear channel, I think you were very inspirational. <laughs> And I'm being serious when I say this because 
some people think they're alone and they don't realize until you say something like, oh my God, I thought I was the only one going through this. I thought I was going crazy. I thought, you know, my husband thought I was nuts. Listen, you got to listen to what, what Mama Cat says. Mama Cat, this yeah. is normal. So I think that you are doing a good thing. And I think social media is a big help because when your parents were growing up, my parents were growing up, they really didn't have anything mm -hmm. to help them. That's why I'm so amazed, like I said, with everything my mother went through and how she had at, at that age to say, you know what, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. And this is what needs to be mm -hmm. done because she didn't really have the help of social media. She didn't have the help of other people. Maybe, maybe she had some friends and family to help her out. But it, it, I think that if you use social media the right way, I'm with you. Yeah. Use it for mm -hmm. that and also to promote what you're doing. Yes. <laughs> and use your gut. That means your mom just used her gut. And I like that too. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> All right. So with this podcast, what's your longtime goal with Mama and More? And where can people find you? Um, my long-term goal is just to continue to make episodes that parents can relate to. And my goal, by even my next episode I have planned is going to be something that really doesn't have that much to do with parent parenting or being a mom. So like I said, I want everyone to have an episode for them. And even if you're not a parent, I just want you to be able to listen to it and enjoy it and laugh or be like, whoa, I didn't know that was happening to my friend over there. That sucks. I should probably text them. So um, <laughs> I just like my long term goal is just to have people enjoy it and relate to it. And yeah, just have fun with it. Um, I'd love for more people to listen. And um, right now I'm just on Spotify. So you can find me mama and more. You can follow the Instagram too, mama and more at Instagram and you can enter like your mama moments and um, you don't have to be a mom. Like I said, you can just enter something that you relate to with the subject that I'm talking about. And yeah. <laughs> now, where do you come up with the subjects during the week? Are you thinking like, all right, well, I talked about postpartum. Let me talk about um the expectations are you thinking do you have these podcasts like was it a weekly podcast or is it bi-weekly it's bi-weekly and right now i have like a long list of topics okay. that i already want to touch on so yeah. i basically kind of just accumulate after a long week i'm like hey that happened i should do an episode about it or um or just reflecting on the past or even thinking about the future i just kind of whenever an idea pops in my head i'm like that would be a good episode so i just kind of plan it that way and start to think about how i could talk about it for 30 minutes now when, you're, when we're talking when you're talking for 30 minutes so we talked about how tough it is just to look at you know turn on the mic and look into a camera and just start talking with um spotify are you on camera or is it more audio because i know you can do both Right now, I'm just doing audio. Okay. Um, if for some reason I started to get more of an audience and somehow made money from it, I might think about trying to do video. I know, like, to get real good video, you have to spend a lot of money on it. Yeah. But for now, it's just audio. And, um, like, right now, I just have to, like, my after my first episode, I realized I need to write down bullet points of things I really want to touch on. And then if I go on tangents, that's great because it just helps the episode even more but i'm like oh i need to remember to say this <laughs> or i want to talk about that well i you you can't see because it it's off camera i had five pages of notes just for this podcast because i know i would forget things so i have <laughs> bullet points of what i wanted to talk about and i learned that from experience because i'll give you an example i was interviewing this person and i asked all these questions he was giving me all these yes and no answers and it was a horrible interview and i said 
after the interview is over, he's talking about, he's like, I said, why didn't you mention this? Why didn't you mention that? So what I would do is I'd write down, oh yeah, he did this reality show. He did this. And then somebody else was saying something and I said, oh no, they it was in a book. And I, I asked them a question. I only wrote down the question and they said, you know, I wrote that book so long ago. I forgot what the answer was. So now I write down the answer to the question, just in case the person, oh. like an example would be with the coffee creamer with you. Cause I, probably, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. See, cause I mean, people go on with their lives. I'm over there listening to it the day before you recorded that six months ago. They have no idea what I'm talking about. So I started doing that because I had the same issue. So now I can mm -hmm. make a, you know, a half hour show going to, I think we, we've been talking for about two and a half hours now. Yeah. And we're just warming up. Yeah. <laughs> now for hour three, we're going to talk about. <laughs> As I'm snoring in the background. <laughs> before, before we go, is there anything that I missed? Anything that you want to talk about that I didn't discuss in the conversation? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I don't think so. Um, yeah, I just, I think becoming a parent has just opened my eyes to a different side of the world. And I think everyone should try to look at other sides of the world, whether it's look at how parents live their lives or how anybody lives their life a little bit differently. Cause you, I feel like you find a little bit more empathy mm -hmm. and you also might unlock a new friend or a new way of looking at things. And I just, I don't know, I'm grateful for, actually getting a different perspective because I feel like I'm a better person now because of it so I think everyone should try to do that even if you just I don't know get a fish I don't know or make a friend that uh does something different I don't know <laughs> well I'm so glad that I didn't have to have a baby to become less judgmental and not care I've been like go. that my whole life so You're lucky man <laughs> um, <laughs> i think i think for me it was just the way i was born with the brain because for people who don't know the left side of my brain is completely dead but it happened right when i was born so the right side took over for the left so maybe the not caring and the empathy was on yeah, the they left went. side <laughs> so they're like i'm out of here yeah, that's it those are good parts to lose i'm know. telling you those... just keep the good parts <laughs> oh yeah exactly i kept i kept all the good parts and got part, rid of the parts i'm like i'm not gonna need that in the future <laughs> Judgmental, caring, come on, that's, that's so overrated. <laughs> Who does that anymore? <laughs> well, Mama Cat, it was great to have you on the show. You got to come back again. This was fun. Yes, this was. We'll, we'll have to do a part two for sure. Most definitely. And once again, you can listen to her on Spotify. It's called Mama and More. Um, I'm already subscribed to it, and hopefully my viewers are too. And that wraps up the latest episode of The Claws Corner. A huge thanks goes out to dancer, dance instructor, jewelry maker, painter, poet, social media sensation, and most recently a mother. The one known simply as Mama Cat for taking time out of her extremely busy schedule to be a guest on my show. Another huge thanks goes out to the editor extraordinaire, John Bristol of Elmwood Productions, for always doing a superb job editing this show each and every week and making it available to all on YouTube. I am also extremely grateful for Joseph Timothy Quirk and Rob Bull for all they do to make my show available on several Connecticut radio stations, as well as Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, Audible, and iHeartRadio. Thank you both very much. And lastly, but definitely not least, I need to thank you, the viewer, for always tuning in. Enjoy your day, everyone.
frenetic mind. Five Tales of Blood-Curdling Terror, available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble.